Jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is Wednesday, January 13th, 2016. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Well, beautiful. I guess that's, uh, that's a matter of, uh, matter of perception, I guess. When you gotta put the chains on the tires to get it going. That's right. Not too beautiful. Slipping and sliding all the way to the studio. Got the dogs, got uh, dog sleds going. But um, folks were heard uh, live Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the Global Star Radio Network. Also, we're broadcast live each and every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, as I stated. YouTube, our official YouTube channel, as well as um, BTR, Blog Talk Radio. Of course, all of our venues are connected at hagmanandhagman.com. That's hagmanandhagman.com. And if I could give a quick update, anybody's having problems with the podcast not getting the full... uh three hours of the podcast there have been some internal blog talk uh, radio errors where we went have went back and replaced the audio so the podcast should be up to date and uh full shows yeah that's good and i want to thank uh thank eric and thank joe for taking care of that and jd and all that um well i'm doug hagman the helm filled with film investigator researcher my son joe hagman together we are the hagman the hagman report uh what i like to call america's premier father son investigative reporting team now we dig deep into topics folks that ordinarily well most most news uh, personalities, most news and shows don't. We look at uh, things through a biblical perspective. We dig into the captured, uh, or we dig into the conspiratorial aspect of history instead of relying on or accepting the coincidence theory of history. Just want to welcome all of our listeners live all across the world, Karen and Rome. Thank you so much, Karen. I, you know, I've, I've been, I've been busy. I haven't been able to answer very many people. And uh, I just want to say thank you to Karen and others listening outside of the country. God bless each and every one of you for everything that you do and all of your kind words. Folks, tonight's broadcast, portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Nuts.com. Boy, have you gone to Nuts.com? Folks, if you haven't, do so. Go to Nuts.com and input our microphone code in the uh, microphone box, or input our code HH in the microphone box. That's Nuts.com, HH. And go to town, new customers, new customers. If you're brand new to nuts.com, this is the time right now. Right now is the time to order something from nuts.com because you will get four free samples of nuts.com. It's a $15 value, nuts.com, microphone code HH. Also want to remind everyone that um, portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by wholetoneslive.com. Greg Jackson, author, sent a wonderful picture of uh, he, he, when his dog Gunner is alone, um, I don't know if you saw this or not, but, uh, he, uh, uh, plays whole tones in the background and for his dog. God bless him. You know, and, and Lady too, our studio dog, uh, who we brought to the studio, uh, I'm not sure where she is. I think she's sleeping on the couch, but she, uh, in the office, but she, she loves that, uh, relaxation music as well. So we keep that in the background for her. 
too. So wholetonesatlive.com. It's good for people, too. Good for people. It's great for people. And uh, that's that's kind of out of the gate. Joe, we've got a busy program. Folks, we have a busy program for you planned tonight. We're, we're, we're yes, going we to go through all of the news that's important. And yeah, there's a lot, as always. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, go ahead. And I'll, I'll get started. Go ahead. And, and go through some of the headlines. And yeah, I'm we'll going to take care of some, you your some, 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 I got to take care of my, <laughs> my headphones here. Notice I, I, I've got nothing we have, um, in my ears. So we have, uh, ear, these, uh, fancy little earbuds. Actually, which are better than the big can. We don't even, we have. I don't even need those because I can hear you. No, we don't need them. Especially, uh, only when we take calls or when we have guests on or do we really need them? Or, or we need to hear when Eric's telling us something uh, internally, or when he's whispering sweet nothings in our ears. Exactly. So actually, if you want to leave them off, leave them maybe off. Maybe I will. Um, some of the things we're going to get into tonight, uh, as we do, as I said, have a number of things, um, and in no particular order here. We had the State of the Union address yesterday. Yes. And um, Obama's final State of the Union address, big on sweet talking rhetoric. We're going to go through a little bit of what. He had uh, stated in his state of the final State of the Union, and also uh, Obama's chief of staff promises audacious executive action in final year. This article is uh, something I caught just before the show, maybe a half hour, and I've read it twice, and I don't still really understand the purpose of this, uh, especially when we get into it and you hear the facts. Pope Francis is going to be meeting with Google's Eric Schmidt in a rare technology industry meeting at the Vatican. Uh, for 15 minutes and this is a pope who who has stated that uh, he has never had a computer and um, also stating that the internet is a gift from God Um, but there's a a strange bedfellows I would say uh, the least with Pope Francis meeting with Eric Schmidt we have in uh, international and domestic news there was a uh, incident with Iran as shoulders had been captured uh, U.S. sailors had been captured by by the Iranian government, and uh, the Obama administration is now downplaying the Iranian capture of U.S. sailors. There was over 10 American sailors held by Iran after their vessels traveled into Iranian waters after a malfunction on one of the um, on one of the boats, and now the uh, Iranian government is holding the sailors hostage. But they had promised to let them go, but the uh, Secretary of State and the Presidential Administration has been downplaying um, the capture of these soldiers and are kind of, um, I don't want to say backing Iran, but but not really uh, stepping up and going after them the way they should to get our soldiers back in a timely fashion. Uh, some new information that we talked about with Hillary Clinton, Judicial Watch, State Department finds new records in Clinton foil litigation, and this was uh, something that came out on the 11th. Um, which would have been Monday. And it talks about the thousands of newly released uh, records from Hillary Clinton's tenure as Secretary of State. And according to the information provided by Judicial Watch and various Justice Department attorneys, the new documents appear to be working records in electronic format located on both shared and individual drives. And this deals directly with the lawsuits on the Benghazi scandals and other controversies stemming from Clinton's uh, term of Secretary of State. Now, every time we see these new records come out um, pertaining to the Hillary Clinton email scandal, which encompasses the Benghazi uh, scandal as well as other things, uh, th- these uh, it's not good for Clinton. I mean, 
if she were an average citizen or an unprotected politician, she definitely would already be in jail. They say they, the FBI, say she's facing indictments, and um, we have yet to see action on that. Um, also, an interesting study, Princeton study, says U.S. is no longer an actual democracy. Now, this is important as it pertains to the title of our show and what we're uh, the overall uh, message of the show is is getting into. And this is the federal consolidation of power and how this this federal consolidation of power is all encompassing and absolutely cannot happen under a representative republic, which is what our government was established as and somehow has changed to a a democracy. Now, uh, a new poll from Princeton is saying that the U.S. is not even a democracy anymore, that the democracy is a pure fiction. And what really we have is a tyrannical, oppressive system of government that is ruled by economic elites and important businesses that are... um, interacting with U.S. government and uh, helping shape their policy, which would deem this to be fascism. Um, They don't say as much in the article. Also, radical left will never let Christian colleges be Christian. Um, This and and much more. Another article here, which is uh, something I just came across before the show. First, genetically modified human embryos could be created in Britain within weeks. Scientists to learn about whether their research proposal has been approved by the fertility watchdog. Um, the first genetically modified human embryos could be created in Britain within weeks, according to scientists who are about to learn whether their research proposal has been approved by the fertility watchdog. Now, this article states, obviously, that this would be the first genetically modified human embryo uh, creation, which I do not believe for a minute. We know that the technology of the... Uh, power elites and their economic backers and partners have been uh, creating and and manipulating genes and doing these horrific projects dealing with human beings and animals and and gene splicing. We know back to the Nazi regime, and we have went over at length, you know, with Joseph Mengele and the experiments he conducted pertaining to twins and and, uh, genetics, and to think that this would be the first genetically modified human embryo created, um, well, we would be naive to think that, knowing that over 50 years ago they've not only talked about this, but there's evidence that this has happened in the past. Also, something, another uh, story on the Pope we did not get to yesterday. Um, this is a few days old, about a week old. In first prayer video, Pope stresses interfaith, uh, unity, saying we are all children of God, which uh, saying we are all children of God, there's no problem with that. But when you start talking about the importance of interreligious dialogue and uh, breaking away from the traditions that denominations hold uh, to themselves in order to create a more interreligious, interfaith-type belief, uh, we've heard on Oprah's, you know, the, the New Age teachings that, uh, and even from Joel Osteen's appearance on Oprah, which has been highly publicized when asked if there were many paths to God, uh, Joel Osteen said, you know, Jesus is the only way to God, but there are many paths to Jesus. There is this belief that, uh, and it's, you know, due to the Vatican and what the popes have been saying in recent years too, that there are many paths to Jesus. Atheists, uh, also will be, um, given eternal life in heaven you don't need to believe in jesus to uh 
become a part of the afterlife. Uh, and the Pope has said, you know, many of these things, and I'm paraphrasing now. So, um, when we can go through the statements that he has made as Pope that are completely unbiblical, especially for the, uh, what they call the vicar of Christ or representative of Christ on earth, we know that, um, these statements are not only, you know, uh, unchristian like, they're completely undoctrinal, unscriptural, and hold no basis in truth. When you tell people that, uh, you don't need to believe in Jesus to go to heaven or you don't even need to believe in God that atheists will go to heaven you are misleading people tremendously and to go on and say that uh, Buddhist uh, Islamist Christians and and Jews all believe in the same God regardless of uh, everything out there that says to the contrary this is just continuing to promote to promote this interfaith dialogue, this interreligious um, sediment that, you know, one way is not the correct way, that there are many ways that lead to heaven, which is completely uh, heresy. As anybody who knows the Bible and what Jesus says, uh, as the Catholic Church continues to um, go outside the lines of sound doctrine and the precepts of the Lord and have created their own God based on their own traditions and it's sad to see because there are you know billion over a billion Catholics in this world and I would hope that the billion or plus Catholics have more sense than to listen to what the Pope says and read the Bible for themselves because it's dangerous when you say that uh, you know just because you're, you believe in Buddha does not exclude you from the kingdom of heaven uh, it, it's just uh, mind-blowing and it speaks to the times that we live in you know we often talk talk about the uh, rapid decline of, of morality and the removal of god from our society and we wonder why it's happening at such an increased pace well when the pope can get on uh, uh his first prayer of the year and state that we have a need for the uh, the importance of interreligious dialogue and regardless of our beliefs in different faiths and traditions, that we are all believing in the same God, um, that just <laughs> does not sit right with me, nor should it sit right with anybody who who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And for a Christian church to, to push this as um, uh, part of the interfaith, you know, United Nations, one world religious endgame movement, um, it's really sad to see. Are you back and settled, ready to go? Maybe. All right. I don't know how much you heard. Oh, uh, I heard what it all. I was going through. I heard it all. Um, interestingly yeah. enough, I, I don't know if you saw the, saw the title of the show, the federal consolidation of power, and yeah. how this leads to the uh, desired uh, globalization or uh, one world order system. Uh, but there's a new Princeton study out that says the U- U.S. is no longer an actual democracy, and. It's funny to see them arguing about uh, whether this is a democracy or not, as we were founded as a representative republic, not a democracy. Uh, it's best described as for a democracy as a two wolves and a sheep fighting over what's for dinner. It's majority rule. But this study even goes on to say that a U.S. democracy is pure fiction and that the economic elites, along with the um, powerful business, has uh, worked with the U.S. government to create policy to govern um together as a whole, which is a fascist system. When you have the 
people who are in charge of the economics, in charge of business, and in charge of government working together for their best interest, regardless of what the people want, that is fascist. You know, it's interesting, Joe, and thanks uh, for that. And folks, you know, if I could take a few few minutes here, because I've got kind of a, yeah, I don't want to say a monologue, but um, no, you said you had, you know, I, I've got a few things I, I wanted to, to to hit on. And and folks, I I, I hope um, I, I I hope we can, I hope I can make this clear enough. Um, I was, I was talking with Greg Jackson again, as I said earlier today, and we, we were talking about a lot of different issues. One of the issues was what you mentioned. What is this country right now? Are we living in a representative republic, or we are living in a right now? If I had to compare it to anything that I've seen or studied in history, it is at the fall of the Roman Empire, where you have a a Caesar or a a dictator, and you had a a Senate which was supposed to uh, represent a representative republic, right? But in actuality, the Senate is um, compromised, and they are more of a uh, theater. So, so would you say that we're living in a democracy? No, uh, we okay. are living in a uh, dictatorship, a, a fascist dictatorship. A soft fascist, or a soft dictatorship, right. I suppose. Right. Soft tyranny, as they call it. You know, and, and, and this is the... This was the my title, and, and I suppose this is my uh, approach to to the listeners. And I'd like to just appeal to listeners right now and viewers, and insofar as um, again my conversation with with Greg and our, our discussion and uh, what he said, and I was working on a title to, to what I was about to say or what I'm about to say. Um, we need to we need to major in the minors, or we need to major in the majors. To stop majoring in the minors, and by that is meant to say, we see the political theater taking place. We see the uh, uh, the, the Republican debate, Democrat um, the, the upcoming debate. Right. We 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 saw the State of the Union address. The issue over the eligibility of Ted Cruz. Yeah, these are important issues. Okay, and I think but they're minor issues. What you and Greg talked about, and I don't know if you're going to continue to get into the eligibility of Cruz. No, but no, no, not really. I think okay. I think you well, know yesterday we'll we're kind of done later. with that. Okay, um, <clears throat> only because again the focus I believe should be on majoring in the majors. Mm-hmm. We at this point are done with the or should be done with the politi- theatric political the political theater the theatrics and the divide and conquer tactics right. that are used to bring us to to where we are today the hegelian dialectic is in full swing here in this country and we when you when you stop and take a look at this if you've ever flown on an airplane and you're you're flying at 30,000 feet my question is have you ever looked out the window and have you when you looked out the window have you you can see a huge swath of area, of mm-hmm. course, and this is what we need to do. Um, and by the way, you can leave that up there. That's fine for now. Um, a little internal business there, folks. But um, God judges the wicked. And if we look at this, at our country, at the United States, from a 35,000 feet level, from a altitude level, a flying altitude level, cruise altitude, we see things a little bit differently. We see things differently than a Rush Limbaugh would see, 
who oh, acts as a well, you know, he, he acts more like a cheerleader and a diversion from what the real issues are. We, whether we want to debate whether the United States is currently a you know a tyranny or whatever it is, the facts speak for themselves. But my question is, and I was thinking about this today. In judgment, God's target is often his own people, not just the yes, pagans among the people. And folks, please think about this. Because are, are we not seeing, perhaps, or could we not be seeing? And, and folks, let me give you a disclaimer. I am not a pastor. I am not a minister. I am an investigator by profession. Period. And, and some will say, you're not a talk show host either. And hmm. I would agree with you. I, my career path has been my entire adult life, 30 years. I have been an investigator in the private sector. But that's trained me. That's made me ask some questions. That's trained me to ask questions. I've, I've, I've sat in numerous courtrooms, watched numerous juries, watched numerous lawyers, watched criminal and civil trials, and been involved in both and seen things. And the judge, okay, and the jury, they, of course, render a verdict. But there's a process of judgment. Go ahead. You, you wanted to... First Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Exactly. And I that's in my notes right here, 1 Peter Four, seventeen, and 18. God's people are number one on his list for both his care, but also his discipline. Yeah, we were refined as believers through judgment, and it's not a punishment as all might believe, or as many might believe. It is a refinement. And a refinement. That's it's a described as much in, in the Old and New Testament that uh, the Lord isn't, you know, doing this not just to punish people. He does not take pleasure in punishing just punishing people but is for our own refinement as he says as one refines gold and silver are we not more valuable than gold and silver and need to be refined exactly so let's look at this a little bit differently rather than focus on the debate rather than focus on the um, uh, the republican or democratic debates or even the state of the union address let's look at our country from a different vantage position. Let's look at us as a Christian nation, or as Christians ourselves, because you you see, folks, we may be the cause. We could very well be the cause. In fact, I submit we are the cause of our own weakness as a church. Now, I believe that we, as a a radio and television program, I think we, we are acting as a facilitation of the remnant. Now, that is not to elevate us to any status. All I'm just saying is that that we have been given, God has given us a platform. And during my days off, I was, when I was with my wife, I was thinking about this. God has given us a platform. And we have a responsibility to the viewers and listeners as, as talk show hosts to provide to, to be good stewards of what God has given us. And we do our best to do so. But let's take a bigger step back than that. 
forget about us. Forget about this platform. Let's look at each and every one of you listening, and or consider, I shouldn't say look at, let's consider each and every one of you as listeners, and let's consider all of us, all of the Christians throughout, throughout the United States and throughout the West. What's really important? Because you know something? When you go to bed tonight, what's important to you when your head hits that pillow tonight? It could radically, radically change mm-hmm. before you wake up in the morning. Think and, about that for a second. And I, I've stated this recently on the show that uh, my wife and I have been having conversations about the mark of the beast. If the RFID system is the mark of the beast, <clears throat> how soon we might find ourselves on the run in the wilderness, uh, per se. That's and right. uh, all the things that uh, I'll say to her, you know, all the things we complain about and, and you know, uh, dislike doing or com- just have a bad attitude about doing or worry about or concern ourselves with. Imagine if we were living in that wilderness now, how many of those things would be important or even in our minds? Well, okay, so, so right. So by comparison, as I said, uh, well, I'll, I'll just take a, a different approach here. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you might wake up with a to-do list and the things that are on your list, things you've got to do and you've got to accomplish for work, for home. There's a list of priorities that you have, and, and we all have them. We all we all live earthly lives, so we all have to, um, We we I mean, this is what we have to do. You, hey, you've got to take the kids to school, you've got to go to work, you've got to go shopping, you've got to take the garbage out, you got to do whatever you got to do, you got to do it. But when you wake up tomorrow morning, something could, something could happen that could change that could make that list just go away. And I'm saying this, what if tomorrow you wake up and you've got your list and you're ready to go to work and you're in the shower and you, you know you're done shaving for guys or women or whatever, it doesn't matter. And um you call to your wife or you call to your husband or you call to your son or daughter that's living with you. Hey, you ready for school? There's no answer. And, and suddenly you look at and, and your son or daughter is unresponsive or your wife or your husband is unresponsive mm-hmm. w- what matters at that point the, the, does taking out the garbage at that point matter to you no and, and that's kind of a microcosm of how we are living our lives today in the west because you see, we depend on a certain structure, a life structure, without much reverence or acknowledgement of our Christian faith. And, and here's what here's what I'm I'm going to get into this a little bit very quickly. We as a church are our own cause of our weakness. That's my that's my submission. And we read in, in the story of Jonah, for example. The, the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and the wind churned the water. And Jonah was in a storm with the sailors, and pagan sailors are crying out to um, to their pagan gods. And, mm-hmm. and but, but Jonah, you know, he had the honesty to say he went into the ship, and, and the uh, the winds uh, and created a storm where the ship was. And the captain of the ship says, "You know what evil have you brought upon us?" Yeah. Well, the the, the storm. He he said, "Look, the storm's my fault 
because I am running from God. Mm-hmm. You know, he acknowledged that he was a worshiper of the true God of the land and of the sea, the one who creates storms and stops them. So he convinced the sailors that if he were thrown into the sea, the wind would cease. And yeah, Jonah was called to prophesy to right. Nineveh, and instead he ran, right, rose up and fled unto Tarshish uh, from the presence of the Lord, and found a ship. Uh, going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare and went into the ship, thinking he would hide himself from the presence of the Lord. Exactly. Now, they, the the sailors, and I mean, they toss their cargo first out of the boat, mm-hmm. and then they ultimately toss. They, hey, Jonah, your turn. <laughs> you know, you know, go swim with the fishes. Yeah, it was threw him out. Exactly, and it was a disobedient prophet who caused that storm. Now, how many? Now, just think about that for a minute, and apply it to your life. Apply it to to what you're doing. All of us, we should apply that kind of that principle to, to what we're doing. It because it's easy for us to, no matter who you are. For example, if you're a conservative, it's easy to blame the Marxist progressive liberals, the abortionists, the homosexuals, the uh, you name it, for our nation's woes. But maybe, just maybe, folks, the responsibility for our country's turbulence has to be laid at the doorstep of the church. And this is something that Greg and I were talking about earlier today. Nature abhors a vacuum. And, Joe, you asked a question the other day, yesterday or the day before. I think it might have been yesterday. And Greg reminded me of this. What has caused the increase, or maybe it was last week, what's caused the increase, the rise in um, uh, Islamic terrorism over the last, what, three yeah, days? Yeah, from... Uh even from 9-11 on, you know, we, uh, minus a few events that I remember in school, the USS Cole being one mm-hmm. uh, when I was in high school that I remember uh, very, very vividly, I do not ever remember the uh, Islamic terror being an issue until 9-11 or after. Right. And if you think about this, ladies and gentlemen, and my answer, of course, at that time was was talking about the earthly realm and and mentioning Israel as a nation. But think about this, and think about what we just said about Jonah and about that prophet running from his duties and what I said about what Greg Jackson said about nature abhorring a vacuum. And, of course, what if, you know, what if the, um, if you notice the increase in Islamic terrorism and the Islamic religion itself, the increase in that, if you take a look at that, well, uh, applying that precept that nature abhors a vacuum, what if that removal of our Christian values, the church in general as a whole, um, becoming soft in the in the Christian ideology? Well, what's going to replace that? It's going to be what? It's going to be perhaps the opposite. In the antagonist, an antagonist uh, approach to the, the to Christianity, so it would be Islam. We, I guess, what I'm saying is, we we could very well be as Christians and members of the church could be running from our responsibilities, mm-hmm. which might be, be the reason why we are losing the wider culture to relativism and nihilism and this absolutely this, right. You know, going to this uh, in search of singularity, going to this uh, apotheosis. 
uh, or apotheosis, uh, or I'm sorry, apotheosis. But if judgment begins at the house of God, then might not we be under judgment? The church itself be under judgment, and um, what, I mean, could this be? Could this be happening? I mean, you know, a very, very important uh, um, issue here, and, and something that is is uh, not talked about, or has not been talked about by by anybody that I really have heard in a while. And and you're right. You know, we often look in the in the Bible and look at what the prophets endured and what they were called to do. And Jonah is a great example of, of a prophet who tried to run from his, his obligations and duties that the Lord called him to do. But in the last days, the Lord says, you know, when I return, will I find any uh, faithful left? And is that because there are no, is there is nobody left that believes in him? Or is that because um, there are those that believe in him who aren't listening to him, us included? And if we're not doing our, our duties and obligations uh, from the from the smallest thing that the Lord uh, asks us to do, um, what is what problems are that cre- are those creating not only in our personal lives but in the lives of those around us and in the lives as a whole uh, in our faith in this country and in the world? Oh, you're precisely correct. And we can go back to and you. You always hear people talking about the Laodicean Church and and the indifference and the problems that causes. Um, That's right. Just imagine it as an indifference to. Uh, you know, performing what God expects us and wants us to perform, not because we are indifferent, but because we're not listening properly. We're not living properly in order to hear Him correctly. Um, it's the same. The same theory applies. Exactly. Well, and don't don't forget to the lay the same church expanded upon greatly. Yeah. Right, and, and and I intend to if. if uh, I'd like to just get into it a little bit, a little bit deeper yeah. here. But to the Laodicean church, um, you know, he, uh, uh, they were warned. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Just check Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. Clearly, Jesus, the Lord, our Savior, does not tolerate sin in the life of the body of a church, of the church. And, and, and under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write to these things, saith, uh, Amen, and faithful, true witness in the beginning of creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and thou would, right. I would, thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. And the yeah. Lord goes on to say, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou may be rich and white with raiment, and that thou may be clothed, and that thy shame and thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with the eye salve that thou mayest see. Well, let's bring this back to our current state of affairs or state of the union. We were treated, or we, all the talk today, the State of the Union address, mm-hmm. okay, and all of the, um, even the the Christian conservative Christians, talking about the State of the Union, talking about the damage Obama has done to this country, talking about how to restore this country back to its greatness once again. But but yeah, Trump, right, America right, great again. But let's look at this a little bit differently from a different vantage point. Is it possible that that we are the, as a nation and even as a church that we are under judgment um, 
is it possible that Jesus could be rebuking and disciplining his uh, his people, his church, us, as he did the churches of, Re- of the book of Revelation? And, and one mu- must consider this. And think about this. Um, a number of people have brought this up in different, saying it's different ways. Uh, the Erwin Lutzer of When a Nation Forgets God, that author brought it up in another book that he wrote. But think, think of it this way. Um, one sign that, that we are experiencing problems is, are we not seeing the, tr- there, there's this increased visibility, uh, of the church, but there's an, the inverse is true with respect to the influence. The visibility is rising. The visibility of the church is rising. You see the mega churches rising. The visibility, but you see Which the would be great. But but then again, you see that the the influence of the church, the true church, the Bible believing, God fearing, one way to heaven church, the influence is diminishing. Um, we're told, for example, we, we, we put so much stock in the political solutions, the spiritual problems. Steve Quayle talks mm-hmm. about this. And, and to add, uh, to back that up, you know, how many times do we see Jesus get into politics and, and what he talks about in the Bible? Well, well right. Uh, yes. I mean, I mean, it's a part of our, our culture and our, and it was a part of their society as well. But he came, as he said, to do his, his father's work and his father, be about his father's business, which was spiritual in nature. Only, right? And we, if, I mean, to take that spiritual, um, those spiritual teachings and apply those first and foremost. We, unless we do that, we cannot branch out and be of any help in the political world or in any other way, unless we're spiritually as a believers um, in tune with His Holy Spirit and what He wants for us first. Well, and I think what we're doing, what we have done, especially over the last couple of decades, um, we have taken the religious right and you'll hear the marxist progressive really the liberal fascist if you will uh decrying the role of the church in politics and and of course you're going to see on the republican side among the fundamentalist issues we have to get back to the constitution indeed we do we have to get back to the rule of law sure we do but how many times during these debates and, and these these politicians how, how often do they talk about the true spirituality, the, 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 the true, um, really our moral and spiritual compass. It's, the faith it's not that talked the, about. The faith that the Puritans and original settlers had who came to America. Right. God fearing, Bible believing, uh, you know, live as a, as a community, uh, together. Uh, you know, everything was, was back then was, um, about faith. You had, and a lot was about that. You had the family. Right. Uh, yep. You had generations living in one household. Yep. Um, you had care for neighbors. You had basic moral principles. Even outside of religious, uh, the Ten Commandments and religious laws, you just had a better moral fabric than you did now, um, a millionfold. I mean, I couldn't imagine how much better it was back then as far as living in a community of like-minded people because they had that. And that's been taken from us now, and it's obviously been done for a reason, because together, as we stand united, we are a much more formidable fo- force than a, you know, broken down spiritually, uh, broken, divided people. Well, 
think of it this way, and, and this is something, again, I've, I've considered and thoughtfully considered and prayerfully considered before coming to you with this, but, but have we not, as Christians, cheapened Christianity by adhering to or supporting a political base, okay? Uh, we, when we, for example, when we endorse a, a party or a person in particular, and that person does not represent or does not, does, is not even evangelical, I guess I'll use that term, evangelical, have we not cheapened the, um, the Christianity? Because we have identified ourselves more with a political party than with the dispenser of the gospel and the word of God. All right. And again, Erwin Lutzer, I'm, I'm citing some ideas from him, incorporating a discussion I had with Greg Jackson today, and as well as uh, parts of the discussion that Pastor Langford and I had today. And, and again, we, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a minister, but I can see what's happening as an investigator. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wait a minute. If I am a Christian investigator, we've got to know which, or I've got to know which questions are the right questions to ask. For example. You, you, it, make, you make a point that you, you know, you're not a pastor, you've been an investigator. Uh, and that's all and, I and am. Our audience out there, I'd say the majority are not pastors. They have jobs, they have careers. Um, and I wouldn't want to be a pastor, by the way. But yet, even though we are not pastors per se, and, and I'm talking as a as a community of, of believers, we are called to know as much as pastors are biblically. We are called to understand and, and read and, and show ourselves to be approved. We are called to um, be a person of prayer and of a person of a personal relationship with Jesus, just as strong as a pastor. A pastor. Only the only difference between a regular believer and a pastor is the pastor is one who spreads the message to a congregation of believers. But each believer individually should be able to be a pastor in theory, right? And I and I believe that to be to be operable, to be true. But but now since we're in an election season and especially a presidential election season, if we are to suspect and believe that an election is going to take place, all right. When you go out and when a person goes out, any person goes out and talks about a political candidate or a political party and, and mentions Christianity in America. Now I'm talking about exclusively here in America from an American point of view. I will say that Christianity in the minds of millions of Americans is right wing politics, right? I mean, it, that's self-evident. And, and to take it a step further, that being the case, is it not possible that we are under judgment because we have um, we have considered not the spiritual solutions, as discussed by Steve Quayle and Pastor Langford, but we have cast about for a solution to our nation's problems and thought that it lay with the political muscle, meaning to say that we're looking for, easier said or stated differently, we're looking for uh, a political solution to a spiritual problem. And right away, uh, the right-wing, so to speak, conservative party is identified 
uh, Christians are identified with the right wing party. And it seems to be by, by becoming publicly partisan and implying that one party is more Christian, we have clouded the, now I'm, I'm going to be careful here because I don't want people to, to think that I'm being politically ambivalent. I'm not, but this has the undesired collateral effect, I believe, of clouding, um, uh, the issues of what Christianity really is all about. And uh, think about that. And an email from uh, Pam. She says, I love where you guys are going with the show tonight. What you've been saying, the Lord is concerned about lost souls and has nothing to do with saving nations. That's right. Jesus it, said it is finished. And you know something? That's it. We have, see, this is a, to me, a view, uh, from a, from a, a an air, uh, hot air balloon or even a, a cruise altitude of a passenger jet when you look over the landscape well you know you can you can you can adhere to and there's nothing wrong with listening to um a sporting event uh, you know whether it be basketball or football but you take that that's entertainment right so is political discussion are, are we are, are we we are so far in america and really geographically across the world we're so far beyond that political discussion or dis- limiting what we're talking about to a Republican versus Democrat, right versus left. Because, I mean, they, we have to take, we have to stop, as Greg Jackson says, we have to stop playing in the minors. We have to stop majoring in the minors and start majoring in the majors. We have to take that look, that overview of what's really taking place here and really understanding that religion is being refined as politics here, in, especially in the United States. The flag has replaced the cross, and I think it's about time, folks, that the cross goes above the flag. Okay, because we are feeling the consequences we are seeing the consequences when the flag goes above the cross that's when you get the homosexuality is just peachy just fine and uh you know it's okay it's awesome to hear you say that because too often we've been debate and have debated off air and on air at times about the role of you know is the Constitution and the Bible mutually exclusive, or does mm-hmm. one go before the other? Well, well, see now. Here's again. This is a perfect time to discuss this because mm-hmm. we are now in this in in the in this um, um, the field of politics and in discussing politics. How many church leaders? Okay, the, the church leaders not maybe not the right. How many evangelicals? How many evangelicals out there are in the news today? How many Christian conservatives are actually in the news today? Uh, not because of the gospel, but because of their particular position on a political candidate. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Yeah, and their at endorsement. The same, at the same time, you have you know preachers, just like you said, pastors and leaders of congregations who are worried about uh, the furthering of a political candidate because of what their agenda is or what maybe their ideology is when um, you have other pastors who won't go into the news even you know, to, to talk about what is happening as far as prophecy unfolding and won't talk about prophecy um, either because they're uncomfortable about it. I mean, you have churches today that focus on prosperity in That's general right. That's right. and won't talk about the um, you know the suffering and the persecution and the taking up your cross and following the Lord. Then you have other churches that that focus on the prophecy, but they don't also talk about. I mean, we are uh, have lost our way. 
Indeed, we have. If I may, I'm going to I'm going to cite now um, a passage from Erwin Lutzer, uh, his book, "The uh, is, is God on the American Side." Not that one. That's for when a nation forgets God. Um, I'm going to cite this, and this this is reading directly from Erwin Lutzer's book, and he writes this. Some Christian leaders have formed coalitions to take America back. They want to put God back into our political, legal, and educational institutions. If they have enough numbers and voting power, they think that the hands of the clock can be reversed. And again, this mimics our discussion earlier today. They uh, they, they, think, they they can think back to leave it to Beaver days, okay, the the softer days, the days of, of moral values, the moral more moral absolutes, and and I understand that time was not perfect, but they there are people who believe that they can take they go back in time to that position. The hands of the clock can be reversed. Returning to Lutzer now, they long for a return to basic basic to a basic civil religion where everyone marches in line with minimal religious convictions. In identifying ourselves with a political party and battling for civil religion, we have lost our identification with our Savior Jesus Christ. Now, you you heard the phrase civil religion, or the two words, civil religion. What is that? I mean, what's civil religion? It, it sounds almost like an oxymoron. Well, Henry Steele Cominger, one of America's leading historians, argued that the new nation began with two religions, one secular and one spiritual. And, and almost all Americans acknowledge themselves as Christians, but in fact they generally shared what has been called a civil religion, which is to say a secular faith in America, within America. And um, okay, well, in, in, in democracy or in a representative republic, equality and freedom which were equated with America in the American mission and the American destiny. So the substance of a uh, such a civil religion is its tendency to push God to the outer fringes so that he can be called upon for state functions mm-hmm. and but not get involved in the day to day thinking or operation of a normal life. Please, ladies and gentlemen, understand this from a wider level, from a deeper understanding. As Mr. Lutzer says from his book, When a Nation Forgets God, pertaining to the Hitler and, and his, what he allowed the church oh, to do. Oh, you said Hitler. He says Sorry. that, um, they, Hitler sought to guarantee that no Christian influence would be allowed to inform government policy. And in fact, the opposite is true in America today, that no Christian, that's right, uh, no Christian uh, values will inform or persuade government policy, that government policy will form and persuade Christian Ideology, and, and see, so we've got Christians actually, and to, to to kind of jump on what you said there, we've got Christians who will genuflect for Catholics or bow, you know, bend the knee at two different religions. You've got the two very different deities, if you will, uh, and work for two very different agendas. Uh, you've got this this time honored civil religion on on one part and Christianity. There, there are two very different ideologies but today they are being conflated commingled 
by the religious right, by the evangelical ministers. And again, folks, I'm saying this with a huge disclaimer. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a minister. I'm, and as Steve likes to say, you know, I, look, I'm the most flawed guy that you'll ever meet. I, but I just want to make that disclaimer because I'm not trying to be a pastor. I'm not trying to speak, uh, in, but I'm just telling you from my investigative viewpoint what I see in the bigger picture, the church. We cannot, folks, we cannot serve true Christianity in our cultural, civil religion, can we? Well, we can. I mean, can we serve both? No. We, we, we need to understand the difference and not confuse the two, okay? We haven't always done that, and we're not certainly not doing that today. Think of, think of this, um, for an example, a civil religion. Um the recent, not too long ago, we had the dust up the, the so-called Christmas Wars. Remember that when it was taken front and center stage and that was a big deal, Christmas Wars. Well, if we insist that the sore clerks must say Merry Christmas, for example, rather than Happy Holiday, what have we gained? Think about that. If we, Donald Trump was talking about this, saying, well, when if I become president, everyone's going to say Merry Christmas. You don't have to say happy holidays. Okay, I get that. But if we insist that the sore clerks uh, say Merry Christmas, you got to say Merry Christmas, or you're allowed to say Merry Christmas have, instead of happy holidays. What ground have we gained? Are, are the people who are asked to acknowledge the Christian, the Christmas holiday, the Christian Christmas holiday, are, are they any closer to faith in, in, in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or are they going to become simply irritated that they have to conform to this system of beliefs and even if we win legislate we could we could have this legislated mandating the ten commandments be displayed on the town square or in the um, whatever in in the uh, courthouses and classrooms and what have you um, are we thereby bringing our culture closer to faith in, in Jesus Christ or are we Really, kind of hacking everybody off. Now, that's not to say I don't I don't believe that we should. I mean, I believe certainly that that these should be restored, and I believe like the the, the phrase under God in the Pledge of Allegiance. I believe that it should be kept. But what if it were removed? Would the church be weaker? Let's look at it from a larger standpoint. On the would other side. would that be weaker? Yeah, we got to go. Uh, sorry about that. I, can't I didn't mean hear. to cut you off. No, I we, just uh, don't have Oh, yeah, you don't. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Wednesday, January 13th, 2016. We're coming to you, just me and my father tonight, no guests, talking about the uh, believer and what we can do, what we need to pay attention to, and what the world is doing. Having a kind of a roundtable discussion. We'll be right back on Global Star Radio Network after this. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two of the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Wednesday, January 13th, 
2016. Uh, we're going to continue what we were discussing in hour number one, but we have a, a few announcements we're going to get into first before we get back yeah. to our discussion. Yeah, as usual. You know what, folks? It, it brings me great pleasure. I, when, when I come across a, a great company, when I see a great company, for example, uh, nuts.com. When I see a company like that, a family-owned business since 1929, it just warms my heart. It really does. And and even more than that, when you go to nuts.com, that's N-U-T-S, like nuts, like we're all nuts, like the emails I get. Hey, Doug, you're nuts. Okay, nuts.com. Um, when you go to nuts.com, the experience is pleasant. So, folks, go to nuts.com in the microphone box on the top right of nuts.com all you have to do is put in two two letters two letters easy to remember hh for hagman and hagman that's all hh and see and then you click that go button and it takes you to our special part of nuts.com there it is and, and folks for new customers arriving at nuts.com there's an extra special offer that awaits you that's right in fact, you'll know you're in the right place when they, you see, hello there, Hagman and Hagman listener. And there's like, I don't know, three things. Uh, choose your, uh, choose your free gifts, uh, uh, on this page. And, uh, basically what you're getting are, are four free samples. That's a $15 value with your first order. This is for new customers. That's a great offer. It allows you the ability to choose from over 50 different options. And all the options. Oh, and you talk about, you know what, you talk about a quality product. You know it's a quality product when you open the bag of nuts and you smell the aroma from that. It's like they were, like, you just got it out of one of those, uh, you know, roasting, peanut roasting vendor, you know, the old time when it was, when the, the, the nuts were really, really Tasty and good. This is what nuts.com is all about. Whether it's cashews or peanuts or pistachios, whatever it is, it's fantastic. How about dried fruit? Oh, there's so much. Folks, there's so many options to choose from. Nuts.com. Just healthy nuts, snacks, Many other tasty treats from all around the world delivered right to your door. You can spend hours at nuts.com. Right now, again, new customers can get four free samples. Choose from over 50 options. That's a $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, click on the mic and enter our code HH. And our, you know, we have so many favorites. It's hard to really pin them down. Really, it is. The dried fruits, for example. Oh, the dried strawberries. You've never tasted such great tasting snacks in your life. The sweet treats, the chocolate-covered nuts, every flavor of gummy bear. (laughs) What about cooking and baking goods? You've got almond flour, chia seeds, spices, grains, any powder you want to throw in your smoothie, for example. They've got coffee and tea, over 39 different kinds of coffee and over 170 flavors. How about gifts for that special someone or for that boss or coworker or whatever special event? Nuts. Nuts.com. Whatever kind you like to munch on. Let them take care of you. Let them take care of your taste buds. Do it today. Right now. Again, four free samples. New customers. 
You could choose from over 50 options. You can't beat it. It's a $15 value. When you go to nuts.com, enter our code HH. That's nuts.com and enter HH for four free samples with your order. Again, go to nuts.com, microphone code HH, radio code HH, whatever you want to say, for full details. Now, while we're on the subject of just fantastic products, wholetoneslive.com, wholetoneslive.com, folks, have you checked them out? Take my word for this. You know, frequencies, we, we, we've we talked about frequencies, about the biblical significance and healing powers of different frequencies, about how music, healing music can reduce anxiety, stress, suicidal thoughts, PTSD, depression. The Walter Reed Medical Center, they're treating veterans with music. I spoke with a with a medical technician doing some using some uh, uh, a place where they do tests, medical tests. I don't want to give too much information out, but uh, it was told to me yesterday, and I was able to verify this that one of the places where diagnostic testing is done not far from where I sit here in the studio uses actually uses whole tones live you know how people get really anxious let's say when you have to have an MRI in a closed MRI machine they have found that that the whole tones live the stress reduction frequencies have actually calmed people and and even to the extent where they give you the option. This particular center gives you the option with using headsets or earphones or earbuds. Uh, my MRIs have never had that option. Uh, but you have the option of, of having this music via Whole Tones Live pumped into your, uh, into your ears while you're in an MRI. It beats the heck out of that boom, boom, boom pounding. If you've ever been in one of those tubes, you know what I'm talking about. Folks, go to wholetoneslive.com. That's wholetoneslive.com. Take my word for it. You will know. You will absolutely know and see the difference. Take my word for it. Or don't take my word for it. Just go to wholetoneslive.com. Wholetoneslive.com. Michael Terrell was on our program. I think uh, a week what, ago yesterday. A week ago yesterday. And let me tell you something. The, the information he provided was just fantastic. The background information, you know, and, and how the opposition, the Luciferian elite, and he's well aware of this, have perverted the, the music, the musical scales, the mm-hmm. frequencies, and, and how frequencies have become weaponized. Yes, they have. And this is more than a plug for a, a sponsor. This is, what we're talking about here is news. And, and to, to give an example of how frequencies have become weaponized, you can go to you know, uh, heavy metal and the type of, of uh, frequencies used uh, along with the uh, language that is used to uh, rap music, which uh, uses different types of frequencies, but also the same kind of violent language, which has created a culture of uh, generations of, of young People who have, uh, you know, now spent 20, 30, 40, 50 years, uh, believing that that is the way things are. The violence, right. the evil, the, the, the uh, vile nature of it all. And 
take it as normal. And um, you know something. In, in this again, this is not this is not an extended infomercial for whole tones. I don't know. This is actually talking about current events because we see today um, how the counterculture revolution, how that has had affected and has affected the current political, geopolitical situation today and our current domestic political situation. Believe it or not, uh, for example, Woodstock. The CIA was heavily involved in the facilitation of Woodstock. Not just for drugs. <laughs> no, that was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But for the music. Look at the sound weapons. It's amazing. Today. Yeah. For protesters. That's right. They not only have sound weapons that are uh, have been created to uh, disperse crowds, they have sound weapons that can obliterate people as they where they stand and, and destroy them physically uh, just by a, a tone, just like you see an opera singer sing at a pitch where it breaks a glass. They have sound weapons out there that can obliterate a person. I think it happens to me when I hear Barry Manilow, but that's just me, right? Anyway... <laughs> Now, now I'm in a close. Wholetoneslive.com, great, just a fantastic product. Uh, so just, it's a it's a great company. You got to check it out. And and let me know seriously. Let me know what you think because um, I got a picture of Greg Jackson, his dog, uh, lying there, uh, being sedated actually by music. It's just fantastic. And well, you mentioned lady too, Greg Jackson, and uh, you know. Uh, I wanted to make an announcement uh, that uh, here the Watchmen about to hear the sure. Watchmen conference. Yeah. Uh, the grandson of Dimitri Duneman will be attending and speaking at the conference as well as Russ Dizdar. Yeah, Russ Dizdar, what a fantastic man, folks! You know, Russ has a program on Global Star Radio Network right before us. Right before us, that's right. And if you you know if you've got nothing to do um, before the show, listen to Russ Dizdar. What a fantastic program. I was listening to this. Ragged Edge Radio. Yeah. Uh, for the podcast also. Yeah. And net is the website where you can access as, lo- as well as Global Star. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of great things are happening. A lot of great things are happening in, in the new media. And, and if I can divert for a second here, this is off, off script. I'm going to continue. We're going to continue with the, the, the subject. A view from 35,000 feet. A view from cruising altitude. We have to stop majoring in the minors and start majoring in the majors. I'm going to get back to that in a second. I just want to, I just want to tell you guys something. To, to tell, but that sounded pretty ugly, didn't it? I want to tell you guys something. Now, uh, I'd like to really just tell the listeners and viewers something. <sighs> wow. Now I do feel like I'm in trouble. <laughs> you are, but for different reasons. Uh, folks, I just want to say this. There are, there is an, an initiative out there. There are groups and individuals that are attempting to shut this program down. I cannot get into exactly how. And that's a given. I mean, it, okay, it, it exactly. happens. Um, but some are more. And this is nothing you've heard about. This is not, no, this is something. This, and just not us, but other programs like ours. You know, Rick Wiles, great program. Just a fantastic program. He is under attack all of the time. Yeah, his website's under attack as we speak. And, And you know, we are under attack. Not, 
not just by DDoS or not by technical aspects, but but by real initiatives to have us taken off the airwaves. And, and I and I do believe at some point they, they may be successful. Not, I'm, this is not anything more than just a statement of fact. And I'm not going to give those people the quarter or the recognition. I'm not going to give them any any nod whatsoever in terms of who they are because it's not worth it. And I would say uh, they would never be successful unless they were to take my life and or your life because uh, you can take the platform away. That's right. You can... Uh, you know, you can't take uh, my spirit away, and you can't take my tongue away, and, and unless you well, do that, you're yeah. not going to be able to yeah. to keep me quiet. Yeah, and, and the reason I mention that only the only reason I mention that it's not to say oh poor us or anything like that. No, 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 no. It's to say, going back to the first part of the program, I really want people to understand the lateness of the hour. I spoke also with Steve Quayle this morning, and we talked about a variety of things. And a lot of great things are happening. A lot of bad things are happening, but a lot of great things are happening. I think he's, I don't want to speak out of school, but you folks, you're going to be so delighted to hear the plans that Steve Quayle has. Okay. Oh, I'm just so excited for him. Oh, God. I, I, I was surprised when I, you told I, me a little I bit. Love I love Steve Quayle as a brother. And folks, uh, I, and I, I'm, I, I'm not, I can't speak out of school. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say, Steve Quayle is doing a lot to bring the word and, and to, to, to provide you, the listeners and viewers, with something very special very soon. And, and he, you know, he's his heart, he's got a heart of gold. Um, you know, sometimes you, you might say, oh, he's just, you know, cantankerous sometimes. Well, we all are, right? Man, if you... If you, you I mean, we all have our, our faults individually. Uh, right. Some of them uh, come across on air, some of them don't. Oh. And, you know, yeah. uh, meeting Steve, uh, I'll say this much, that um, when we met him in Montana and got to spend three, four days with him, uh, you wouldn't believe the, the personality he does have because uh, it's completely, not that his uh, he has a bad personality on air, but he, he the way he jokes around and, and uh, his sense of humor uh, and the person that he is is just so much more, uh, it comes across so much different off air he's much more serious on air but off air he is serious yet he is fun and um it, it it's not deceiving but it is uh it's eye-opening to see uh how somebody can be you know not that he's different like i said off air and on air but uh, no no he's he, much more he's... Uh, personable in person well, I, I know what you're trying to say, and, and Steve, if you're listening, or yeah, don't take it the wrong way. It's no, a compliment. No, no. It, it is. Uh, we, we love you, brother. But, 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 folks, man, we, there's things that are happening that just make me smile. And I know that you know the whether it's a government entity or a censorship, whatever it might be, or or an individual or entity or group or whatever. Um, attempting to smack us down like whack-a-mole. You're not going to get all of us. Certainly you're not going to get, uh, you're not going to get all of us. But, uh, so it's really great. And Pastor Langford as well. I'm just so excited to what, what, when I talk to Pastor Langford, what he, the growth that he's going to be going through. Um, you, you've not seen anything yet. It's just so exciting. There's so many exciting things coming up. 
it just it just made me smile in spite of all the morass all of the attacks all of the the, the bs don't you know that's okay because things are moving upward and things are changing and people are people have to, christians have to choose sides not carnally but choose biblically in other words we have to see the bigger picture and adhere to that or get out of the game and then i'm going to address what i'm talking about here just in just a second the other thing i want to mention to you speaking of growth you know we are a listener supported show and i there's few times that too few times that i say thank you and and i just want to want everyone to know that that for everyone who has helped us um financially to help us stay on the air i just want to say thank you it it, it, it keeps families truly it keeps families um in food and keeps their bills paid mm-hmm. plus the reason i mention that now is um we are going to you're going to see some changes being made over the next several days though the lighting is going to be different and the the clarity of the image is going to be different the latency on the video is going to be fixed everything that we can do to upgrade and fix everything on our end is going to be done and it's going to be done because the quality of our end product is so important to us so thank you that's that's all i want to say is thank you and understand that that we attempt to be good stewards with with your your belief and trust in us and we'd never want to squander that so thank you so much but getting back to the subject matter at hand you know we talk about the we we had talked about the the, the um, what was it what I what I call it the civil religion i guess the civil um uh my goodness civil religion yeah we talked about that you know we want a civil religion the majority of christians today want a civil religion i think because we fear that we could lose our the comforts that we experience that we have right now if our nation is in decline think about this are are are, are christians today are we not um well one reason that that we perhaps are so anxious about the economy or are so concerned that the economy not collapse is not so much because we want to use our funds to support the spread of the gospel. No, no, no. It's because we all enjoy the American way of life or the Western way of life, isn't it? Isn't that the case? Yeah, we do. You, and, you know, um, you know, we look at the rest of the world and we see the commercials of uh, you know, whether it's the Red Cross trying to exploit money out of people from from guilt or it's uh, actual, you know, missionaries doing uh, the work that all should be doing. But, you know, to be born here in America, especially in this time or in the last hundred years, can't be compared to anything else or being born anywhere else in the world at any other time. When you see the level of poverty and the lack of uh, technological uh, advancements but, that we but, have, but wait a we second, have a certain though. kind of comfort here that no other... Uh, place really has enjoyed but until me, recently. Let me, let me ask you this then, uh, well, or let me make this statement and then you tell me, uh, based on what you just said, uh, tell, address the statement because when, when you look at, 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 for example, Trump making America, making America great again, whatever his campaign slogan is, if that's it, uh, or look at all of the campaign slogans that address the, 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 America as a nation, and I'm not. I'm not 
criticizing the, the campaign slogans or the people behind them. But do we not believe, do we not equate a strong America? Do we not believe that that always translates into a strong Christian church? Think about that for a second. In the past, it, um, you know, that's a good question, and it's hard to answer because when we look back at the beginning from the Revolution, uh, Revolutionary War to the Civil War, uh, we had uh, basically a much more God-fearing, Bible-believing population Yet we still had things uh, of injustice of great proportions. Exactly. And this is a fine line. That This is kind of interesting because it, it, it seemingly doesn't make sense. And, We're talking about a fine line here, but this line is only visible when you're way up and looking at the bigger picture. Normally, fine lines are not visible from afar, but the, you need of, to see this from above. A lot of times saying making America great again would mean to a group of people or, uh, you know, that it would be back to um, oppression. I mean, think, you know, we, we've we been under some kind of control, whether political oppression, economic oppression, uh, for some, for some since our inception, for the most part. And it whether it's an evil that was here to begin with or that had been infiltrated our country, uh, and the purposes mm-hmm. of this right. country being set up for was it to bring about the end times? Was it to to do this or that? Who knows? But uh, there has been an evil from the Federal Reserve and the international bankers uh, having their way with economic policy in America for the last hundred years, causing depressions. When we say make America great again, that means something different for each person, I believe, who is an American. And I and I agree with that. But but, but see. A lot of times, I, and I think you can listen to different comment, uh, commentators. You can listen to Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin, and, and they're all great. I mean, certainly they, they've got great things to say at, at some point. It, it, but, but again, they're, they're, they're at the level of, um, they're engaged in the Hegelian dialectic, for example. They're at the, the political theater level. And that's fine if you want to engage in that level of, and I'll use this word deliberately, entertainment. However, look at us as Christians. Um, for some of us, lowering taxes, making America great again, lowering taxes, uh, rebuilding our defenses, keeping Christ in Christmas, um, these are more pressing issues to us than whether our family members will spend eternity in heaven or hell. Do you see what I'm saying? Are our, our, our our defense of that civil religion I referenced in our partisan politics or in the news, but the good deeds, the, the gospel that we represent, the truth at the end of the day is not. You see, when you wake up in the morning and you have that to-do list and you know, I mean, yeah, you know that you have things to do, and we all have things to do. That can change. Your priorities can change. In the beat, literally, in the beat of a, in a heartbeat, literally, mm-hmm. or in a breath, or in the lack of a heartbeat or lack of a breath, or, or it can it could change in, 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 with the screeching of tires and the and the sound of smashing metal. An example uh, that you went through personally uh, with your wife having, yeah. you know, had that medical emergency. 
and when that emergency is ongoing, you weren't thinking about, um, you know, the website <laughs> or the show or, you know right. what I mean? You had one thing on your mind, and that was to get your wife to the hospital to see what was wrong and how to get this fixed, and nothing else at that point was important. Well, okay, let me explain, and you're right, exactly. And let me expand on this. You as Christians out there, or the Christian community, the Christian church today, think about this. What if tomorrow, what if, or what if at this election, we had somebody, we elected somebody, and, and they would, um, they could actually turn the country back into the, the 1950s. It could actually turn the hands of time back where the pornography would be less, the drugs would be less, the, um, uh, the movies might be less offensive. What? Okay, so for, for the majority of Christians, if if there was a candidate that could actually do that, accomplish those things, what would happen to us as Christians and the Christian church? Would the majority of Christians then become satisfied? And if they were satisfied... Well, let me back up. Did with those changes, were there any conversions? Were there any dedications to God to, to Jesus? Did, did anyone become saved? And and folks, cut me some slack. I'm not a pastor or a minister. Okay, so I'm just an investigator searching for answers. But would that do it? No, it wouldn't do it in and of itself then would we, we become complacent? Perhaps we would. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they would be content, for example, if um, with with those changes, it, even despite no one being saved, so to speak, in the process. That's kind of where I'm coming from. Um, n- nearly all of us, we love our ways of life. We love to, the, the, comfort, the creature comforts. At Christmas, you, well, uh, you know, I won't even get into that, but but you get the idea, right? Okay, well, let's just go one more step here, okay? Now, it, it, don't misunderstand. I am not saying that we that we should not pay attention to politics, politicians, other platforms, or whatever. No, 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 no. But do not privatize your faith. I mean, don't privatize your faith. Uh, Christians do. As Christians, I think we have the privilege, but we also have the duty to vote for the best candidate. And I'm not talking about the lesser of two evils. But above all, but above all, we we need to look at the bigger picture there are certain things that I think we we have to avoid, there are dangers that we've got to avoid Um, and I was talking to again Greg Jackson about this there was a document that was called uh, an evangelical manifesto it was written to reclaim the word evangelical from the many misunderstandings misuses, problematic uh, interpretations in the contemporary culture of Christianity, especially in America, it, it the document again the name of that was an evangelical manifesto. It properly repudiates t- 
two equal but opposing errors or opposite errors into which the church has sunk into. I know I didn't say that correctly. <laughs> um, one error has been for us as Christians to privatize our faith, keep it to ourselves. That was me. Applying it just simply to our personal sphere or our personal manners, you know. For example, well, you know, Uncle Bob and Uncle Bob, or Uncle Bob and Uncle Steve. <laughs> That's the wrong thing. Um, you know, Adam and Steve. Well, we tend to say it's not our, none of our business. It, it, if it doesn't affect us or if it doesn't affect society, then we shouldn't have, we should not speak our minds. So we privatize our beliefs, right? And, and this is what this document talks about in the Evangelical Manifesto. We apply it only to our own person, our own way, our own little footprint Sometimes that's the way it should be, and other times it is the opposite of what it should be. Right, but, but, but wait a second. What? So, so that makes does that not make our faith publicly irrelevant when we do that? Keep it to ourselves. Yeah. So okay, if we say, well, it's you know, look, it's my belief that uh, homosexuality is a sin, or it's my belief that well, now we're being is a sin through but, political correctness, people are being shunned and and through fear of of um, you know not fitting into society or or uh, for fear of being looked upon as some kind of of hater or bigot because of the religious belief we hold people do tend to be quiet when in fact we should only care what the lord uh, and his word says and what our uh, duty to him is not but, to what but, but anybody is it not our duty to 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 our fellow man maybe our our brother-in-law sister-in-law uncle aunt Uncle, uncle, <laughs> to, to minister, not to minister, yes. but to, but to not internalize and privatize our faith, but to, but to, to, share. Act, to, to share our faith and, and yes. to explain, you know. So a lot of times we, we privatize. And this is what that document, even in the Evangelical Manifesto, discusses. And, and then the other error that the, that, that talks about is to politicize faith, going to the other extreme, using it to express political points of view that have often lost touch with biblical truth. Think about that for a second. And that's something you could do, but in a world like today, um, you wouldn't really get very far. I'm not saying it's wrong to do or you shouldn't try. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna quote from, from that article here in my notes that I've got. Yeah. Okay. Um, politicizing faith. The document itself, again, I'm referencing an evangelical manifesto, says this. When faith loses its independence, the church becomes the, reg- the regime at prayer. Christians become useful idiots for one political party or another, and, and the Christian faith becomes an ideology in its purest form. Christians believe, Christian beliefs are used as weapons for political interests. So, you know, by politicizing faith, we become useful idiots for one political party or another. We witness well, just look at the high-profile evangelicals endorsing political candidates, the lesser-known leaders following suit. No wonder, for example, a national news story on what Christianity is 
uh, is when you look at well look at the bevy of of articles of news stories about about what Christianity is and look at the scale how many references when when a news story talks about uh Christianity how many references to to Jesus Christ are there none right very few not as the uh true savior of, of right. mankind right exactly it's uh, used as a more um, uh, historical figure, or uh, more like a, a what Islam does in, in saying he's a prophet more than exactly. So, called to an allegiance higher than party ideology and nationality, evangelicals see it our duty to engage with politics, but our equal duty never to be completely equated with any party, partisan ideology, economic system, nationality. The politicalization of faith is never a sign of strength, but one of weakness. And I'm again, I'm quoting from that document. The saying is wise. The first thing to say about politics is that politics is not the first thing. <laughs> The evangelical soul is not for sale. It has already been bought at a price, at an infinite price, and I'll just say at a price that cannot be replicated. That's why you must be born again. You know, we as Christians, our soul is not for sale. And yet, to our own detriment, have we not willingly identified ourselves with a political, with political candidates or a political ideology or partisan rhetoric? We've become ourselves useful idiots. We're suffering because of this, a, a, a backlash and losing whatever gains in the political theater that we thought we might have had. And I'm speaking to the Christians out there who are saying, go Ted Cruz because of your Christian ideology or because of the relative, uh, because of your beliefs. And, and again, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I'm saying do not be a, a useful idiot as a Christian. Some people say that if we live by the ballot box, we die by the ballot box. Um, politics is a game of high risk. Ed Dobson, and now I'm going back to Erwin Lutzer. Uh, um, he's a for, former board member of the Moral Majority. Remember the Moral Majority? He changed his mind about the power of politics. He writes, politics cannot offer permanent solutions because it is based on a flawed view of sin in society. One of its premises is that if you elect the right representative who will pass the right legislation, you have the right society. But we know it's this isn't true. We've forgotten that the reason that the world will never share our values is because they don't share the same Savior. And this brings me to the point, too, of the Pope and the political leaders out there who say that we can, you know, we can and should coexist. Well, I agree with coexistence. Well, what choice do we have if we don't coexist? Now, when I say coexist, it's not the bumper sticker coexist. I'm saying living together in a world we as Christians must uh, 
be evangelical to the extent where we have to, number one, understand that the Christians do not worship the same God as the Muslims, do not worship the same God as the Jews. We have to understand that there is only one way for our eternal salvation. And it's not Islam, it's not deluded Christianity, it is not deluded or perverted anything. It's one way. It's through Jesus Christ. Okay. And see, as an investigator, um, I never... Look, I I never, and again, I just I just never gave, gave us any understanding, uh, or any time, any thought. And guys out there, I'm going to speak to you, the, the big guys, the guys with the muscles, working out at the gym, and, and you, you know you're 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 a man's man. Don't think that talking about this will emasculate you, or, or you know, you, it's, this is not. Oh, they, man, real men don't talk about this. No, they do. In fact, real men talk about this. Because I was like that, and we all—I think yeah. everybody was—and and I, and I was to the point where when we first started on the program, we can't talk about this. We can't talk about this. No, that was a mistake. See, we are here right now, and we are at a crossroads. The time is late. The clock is about out. The uh, use whatever sport metaphor you want. I don't know. You know, it's fourth and thirty. <laughs> Whatever it might be, but I mean it's 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 go time, baby. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we have to make a decision here, and we have to understand the lateness of the hour. Does it really matter then? Does it really matter if we dissect the heck out of the State of the Union address? No, it doesn't. Does it really matter in this larger scheme of things? which political candidate gets into office. No, for a number of reasons. Because we, America, is a captured operation. But what about the people listening in Germany or England or the UK or in Costa Rica or in Singapore or many many countries and, and, and locations? What about you? Well, you've got the same situation. Just different. Well, really the same you get the same situa- situation, I suppose. You might be playing in a different arena, different theater of operation, but it's, it's the same with everyone. We are facing the greatest crisis humanity has ever faced right now. We have been captured from within. We have been lied to by the very people who we've held up high esteem and said, oh, this person will will make the difference. This person will will make the change. No, there will be no changes. I'm convinced of that. When we have put the flag above the cross, that's when we've made a tremendous, tremendous mistake. Because you see, I don't care who gets in as president. Because I don't believe there's any man or woman or person or whatever in that office that will stop the slaughter of 4,000 innocents per day in this country. I don't believe it. I it, Maybe I'm wrong. Boy, that'd be great if I was proven wrong. Because you see, oh, lowering taxes it might be um, a popular platform, even among, among the so-called evangelical Christians. Lowering taxes 
uh, oh, you got to say Merry Christmas, or you're allowed to say Merry Christmas. Oh, the, the transgender issue. It'll be approached from a cultural point of view, but will it be approached from a biblical point of view? No. Same Again, same with Merry Christmas. And I said all of that to say this. The hour's late. The time is short. We have to budget our time now, take our to-do list, okay, and act as if we may not have tomorrow. Because we might not have tomorrow. At least not in the manner in which we have it today. All right. Everyone, I got an email. Uh, uh, well, no, I'm not going to. People, uh, people might say, Hagman and Hagman report, it's doom porn. It's fear porn. Right? We're not saying the world is going to end tomorrow. The world as you know it might. But the world is not going to end tomorrow. If you want to know how the story ends for all of us, pick up a Bible. It's that simple. You can understand what the Bible says. And if you are confused and want to fellowship and talk with what the Bible says with a, uh, you know, a biblical expositor or a biblical scholar, then talk with somebody like Pastor Langford. Fellowship with them. But you see, the doom porn, the fear porn, yeah, the accusations are tiresome and tiring and tired. Practical preparation, indeed, is necessary. Never said it wasn't, not saying it isn't now, but certainly necessary. But when you look again from that cruising altitude and look down and you see what's important, you can see then the Hegelian dialectic, and if folks, if you don't know what that is, and I know our, generally our audience knows what that is, but if you don't, look it up. You can see that play at work with the political talk shows and the, and the, and the talk shows on Fox and CNN and ABC, NBC, CBS and all the alphabets. And they, what they do, that's why it's called programming because you are being programmed, folks, to think small. Oh, you're being programmed to think a certain way. But you're also being programmed to think small. Absolutely. You are mentally captured. And that's what they want. That's right. They that's can right. control a person who is mentally captured much easier than they control, than they can control a person who is, uh, unshackled by their restraints of propaganda and, uh, who fall into the traps of their snares. Uh, whether it be through politics, economics, through the little comforts of life, or uh, whatever the case may be. As you said, they have trained us to think small. That's right. And they have, and, and they have imprisoned the human spirit of endurance and um, the creativity that we have to be able to function outside of their system. They've en- ensnared our minds and entrapped our minds so much that we become willing you know, good slaves inside of their system. And 
we are being taught to love it. Yep. To love being a slave. And, you know, not only love it, but not realizing that we are a slave. But we love that. We love it. But we don't realize what it is. And one last thing from me about this. When we as Christians, or we as conservatives, or conservative Christians, when we talk about homosexuality, the Obergefell Supreme Court justice, or the Supreme Court opinion, and we talk, or we talk about abortion, infanticide, the murder of our unborn, and how quickly have we forgotten, the majority of people forgotten, those horrific videos from Planned Parenthood. When we talk about all of these separate issues, what's our approach? Are we not, in general, as even as Christians, are we not approaching this not as a biblical issue, but as a cultural issue? And I want—I really want everyone to think hard on this. I don't have a lot of moments of lucidity, apparently. <laughs> maybe this is one of them, or maybe not. But again, I'm—I I'm, was thinking about this, and 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 as Christians, I hear a lot of discussion. Well, I'm pro-life. I'm, I'm very much pro-life. I'm—I am anti homosexuality, anti-Obergefell opinion, that's, you know. But when you examine those positions and ideologies, most Christians approach that from a cultural standpoint, not a biblical standpoint. It's never what it's never about or mostly, hardly ever about eternal salvation, biblical truths. Now, when you hear the arguments or hear the debates or hear the contentions and assertions of Christians today, are they not being approached from a cultural point of view rather than a biblical truth? I'm just asking. I sense that there's a huge difference a difference with an important distinction. We have to bring in the, well, we have to bring in the promise of, of eternal salvation, God's promise, and the biblical truths, not the cultural effects. The, bring in the biblical truths and address those and act from those based on those the cultural advantages will follow it shouldn't be reversed that's my opinion I don't know Joe because you know and, and, and above all too above all too we are being pushed in the larger again from a view from 35,000 feet we are being pushed right now corralled and led to believe as Christians that the prosperity movement is okay. We are being led to believe that all roads can lead to heaven. We have a Pope mm-hmm. that's up there saying, yo, yeah, you know, 
you don't necessarily have to believe. Uh, uh, you know, if you happen to, you don't need to repent. Uh, the Pope saying know, a personal relationship with yeah. Jesus outside of the Roman Catholic Church is dangerous. Right, right. It's but see, and we are we are being lied to. We're being gamed on every level, politically, socially, culturally, morally, but most importantly, spiritually, because the gates have of hell have opened, in my view, and the demonic has been infused into our society to such an extent that even Christians cannot tell the difference between truth and a lie. Even the most solid Christian will say, well, you know, maybe maybe there is that the fact that an unrepentant sinner, one who has not dedicated his life to, to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, maybe there's room for that person to get into heaven. Maybe there's that way number of ways to get to heaven. No! There's one way. It's uncompromising, and it's the only way. And no papal um, edict, no executive order, no executive action, no political ideology is going to change that. But they're going to try, and they are trying right now. Folks, we do not as Christians worship the same God as Islam, as, as the Jews. And, and some might say, wait a minute, I hear you right. Yeah. Yes, in its most purest form. You've, but I'm not going to, that, that's a discussion for another time. We worship one God and we worship Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal salvation. Not Amen. through Allah, not through Hindu, or not through the Buddha, not through the uh, uh, pagans. Not through the New Age, right. uh, Christ consciousness, Oprah mentality. Right. Exactly. And, and, and Right, right. So, please understand that nothing else matters. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, when you're going to take your last breath, nothing else matters. But as you're alive and working and playing and living here on, on planet Earth, don't get caught up in the, solely caught up in the uh, Republican Democrat and all the, this other crap that's going on. Don't get caught up in that. As Greg Jackson says, Major in the majors. Don't major in the minors. Pay attention to what's going on. That's not to say we shouldn't pay attention. That's not to say that we can't, that we shouldn't operate in the flesh. We must. That's not to say don't prep. You better prep. That's not to say don't act smart, you know, uh, or yeah, don't, don't, don't act smart and not, uh, protect your wealth that you've accumulated. You better do that. God commands you to do that. It's not from a position of fear. It's from a position of practicality. We've got to understand that. 
And you see the very people who will make accusations of fear porn and doom porn. Oh, you, you know, you sell stuff. You sell stuff. You do. You profit off of fear and doom. You Krishna, purported Christian apologist. Yeah, I'm just falling asleep. Okay. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah shame get, on you. We get this a lot. We get this not you, only you know from what? us, but from, from our guests. And uh, especially authors, which I don't quite understand. People can choose to buy or not buy uh, anybody's books that they come on the show to, to sell. Some offer them freely. Some uh, do sell them. But there are, uh, there is nothing that we can profit from fear from. Fear is something that the Lord is not... We are not given a, a spirit of fear, but of, of sound mind. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as the scripture says. But he also says his people are not given a spirit of fear. And we should, I guess, say this and, and as a disclaimer for people out there who may not understand, but any operating in any way from a spirit of fear and or reacting through fear whether that be to make a purchase or to make a decision, is completely wrong and off base, and you should never do it. But you need to do it with sobriety. I mean, look, look. You need to prepare. You need to understand. We live here on terra from on earth, okay? We live a life. We are appointed. If you're a guy, you're appointed. You, gotta, you know what? You better take care of your family. That's your job to take care of, to protect your family. And if you don't protect your family, you're not only a wimp, you're a sad, sad, sad sack of wimpiness. And I don't think God will be too happy with you. So as a guy, you better take care of your family. Okay? And, and don't just say, God will save me and not do anything. No. That's we are not to be, but you said, like you said, we're not to be, you know, given to a spirit of fear. But that does not mean we are not to be inactive. Folks, remember, we're back after this. Stay with us if you don't mind. We're going to be here. Maybe phone call. I don't know. No, 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 uh, no. no. We, we got we, we got plenty of stuff to go yeah. over anyway. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back with hour three here on Global Star Radio Network on this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Wednesday, January 13th, 2016 edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to say hello to all those listening via Global Star Radio Network, whether by the internet or all the wonderful listeners we have on the phone lines listening in. Also those listening on Blog Talk Radio and watching us live on YouTube. We are here each and every night live, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, we're going to get right back into things. Uh, few quick announcements first. One, our sponsor, American Survival Wholesale, is having a special 
it's an interesting special and one you should take advantage of, especially if um, budgetary concerns or have what kept you from buying storable food. It's the scratched and dented sale, and this is an interesting sale because all pros or all um, 50% off everything that they have. They have two pallets of of food that had been scratched or dented on the the outside canisters. Uh, the food inside the canisters are just as good, the Thrive brand, GMO-free, and for 50% off, you will not find the Thrive GMO-free brand anywhere else. Um, again, americansurvivalwholesale.com. Go to their website, check it out, scratched and dented sale, and if you have any questions, give them a call. Call and talk to Chance or one of the employees over there. They will help you out and help work with you to put together something that... Uh, that you guys can work with. I mean, they're very easy going, and they are more than a, a friend and a sponsor of the show. They are uh, people who are there to help other Christians in these times of trouble, and that's their 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 goal. More so than selling anything, it's to help people, and that has been demonstrated through their their, their actions um, and the feedback we receive with from our audience about how uh, wonderful their services are over there. So visit AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Take advantage of 50% off their storable food from the scratched and dented uh, special that they're running. Again, only thing that is wrong is the uh, packages might be damaged a little bit, but the food inside, I can guarantee, is just as good as if you were to get uh, a regular uh, pallet of food that had no scratch or dents on the outside. Uh, And I love the freeze-dried fruit. That's my favorite, and I don't think my dad knows this yet, but I found where he keeps the, the strawberries uh, in his other room, and I haven't found a can opener to get to him yet. But, the, uh, uh, actually, the security cameras tripped. <laughs> I received an alarm I really in my was going to open one yesterday, you, but and I I've got your picture. I've got your picture. It, look, uh, security is tight at the Hagman and Hagman Studios and offices, so... Um, and now, no, yesterday, because I, I can actually I went in there, and yeah, I remember no, my I cans. Know, I thought I, I had the lid, the lid pop, you know, that, that uh-huh. popped it off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this one didn't, and I was kind of disappointed because I didn't have a knife or anything to to, to tear that can up. Well, and you get just, in there. you just don't know where I keep it. But uh, um, no, that it is delicious. Whether it's uh, you know, simple things that that uh, would be needed like powdered eggs, and uh, I think there's at least 54 servings per per can. But uh, to take advantage of this, you're getting the same the same quality, same uh, brand of food as you would, only 50% less due to the uh, scratched and dented cans that they cannot just sell as uh, regular products that have not been damaged. But the food inside is not damaged. As I said, it's as good as ever. It's good. And if you have any questions about it, visit the website, Homeland and, and Sec- American Home. America. Yeah. I was going to say American Homeland Security. <laughs> AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. And if you just, just go out and flop around, and if you can't find, find the answers you. on the website, give them a call. They will help you, and they That's would love to hear from American com. And by the way, uh, how you feeling? Can you tell that I had a couple of purple sticks today? Oh, oh, oh you know, they good. Healthmasters.com. Health I had Masters. a few yesterday. I had two yesterday. Healthmasters.com. You can see one purple stick. You know, gives you a little energy. Two purple sticks. I can see through the walls. No, I'm. But seriously, um, healthmasters.com, uh, nutritional products, exceptional nutritional products. And, and I gotta say about the purple sticks, I didn't notice any uh, increase in in energy, 
but I can tell you that uh, I felt better, and I slept better last night, and I felt better when I woke up this morning. Good. You know, I, Good. I wake you, you up too that. groggy, and, and uh, you know, when you wake up, you're just <laughs> you're like, oh, here goes another day, especially up here in the northeast in the cold. But it, I was more upbeat and more ready to go uh, from the get-go this morning. And I don't know if that was due to the purple sticks or not, but... Um, that's the only thing I can well, attribute it to. You know, when you when you're when you and this is important for all Christians too. You've got to you've you've got to uh, take care of yourselves, and you've got to be ready for battle. You've got to be battle at battle, full battle of strength. And you can't do that if you feel like gunk. You know, you can't do that if you if you just like <laughs> walk with around. all the poisons and the food and the water that's and right. the toxins that that's we right. intake, uh, you know, unknowingly on a daily basis. Uh, you got to be healthy. That's right. You know, I, I, before we move on into news, and, and news there's plenty of, mm-hmm. um, and of course, you know, we're looking at an economic issue here with gasoline or the barrel or cost or the price of oil going down, uh, and they're predicting perhaps under $10 a barrel. Unprecedented. Well, right. So the question is, well, what's causing that? And again, the immediate, the, the tendency for those people who are caught up in that captured operational uh, scheme, the Hegelian dialectic, will say, well, um, you know, it, it, the, the, people tend to limit, the, 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 to box in the reasons for this. But I'd like you to think of oil as a weapon, the, the price of oil as a weapon. Number one, who benefits by the low cost of oil and who suffers, the, uh, or the oil and ultimately the refinement of, of the end product? Well, we are at war, folks. We are we are fully engaged right now in World War Three, on the geopolitical stage. It is the West. Well, it, it is really the the Wolfowitz doctrine, if you will, mm-hmm. via the PNAC. And, and Alex Jones talks about this. And, Project for New American uh, Century. Right. And, and what we're seeing now is uh, really a resurgence of the Cold War. Uh, but a hot war. It is the United States against Russia. And it, it is the East versus the West. But this is a deliberate doctrine of destruction. This is to set the stage for the, the Antichrist, for the end times. And I had someone tell me a long time ago that, and especially the, during the George W. Bush administration, that um, during the uh, uh, talks about invading Iraq and Afghanistan, there was talks about uh, the end times and the eschatological uh, aspects of what they're doing. So what we're, what we're seeing the run-up to is, or what we're seeing, I shouldn't say run-up to, but we're seeing uh, a hot war right or a war right now, not, not hot, but go, about ready to go hot. You've got proxies that are fighting proxies. You've got American proxies through Obama. Uh, you know, actually, we're actually funneling money and 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 whatever uh, funds as well as uh, weaponry and expertise training to uh, members of ISIS. And remember what we did back in the late 70s and specifically in 1979 with Russia and Afghanistan. The old joke was, what's uh, 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 how'd it go? What's what's the uh, what's the Russian word for Vietnam and it's Afghanistan? Basically, you know, a quagmire. Oh yeah, okay. okay. You know I know what you're talking about. So, so think of it this way: when we look at the low low oil prices, oh, enjoy them now. 
Oh, enjoy them and enjoy and the fact that you know the gas prices. And do enjoy them. I'll yeah, say this yeah. much. Uh I put fifteen bucks in, in the tank the other day. As I have uh gas at home, we have a get go around here, Giant Eagle, you buy a certain amount of groceries, mm-hmm. you get ten, twenty cents off per gallon for every certain amount of money you spend. Well, uh if we do it right, we usually get uh thirty gallons of gas for free every month. So we store those in gas cans and uh Usually that lasts, but instead of having to get out and trudge through the snow and get in the garage to get gas cans, I said I'm just going to go to the gas station, put 15 gallons and got almost or 15 dollars got almost eight gallons. Yep. And uh, I remember when gas was five dollars a gallon, and that same 15 dollars would have, uh, you know, got almost three gallons if that. It was and, just it's just amazing to see yeah. the difference. Yes, but look at look at the gas prices, folks, as or, or the prices of oil. As it, just like everything else, the the prices of precious metals are being manipulated, and one can debate all day long with someone else about how they're being manipulated. But the the fact is, they're being manipulated. Will the do I believe, for example, will the, will the cost of the price of uh, gold and silver rise? Yes, I do believe they will. They have to ultimately, or the there will be a correction. The, you know, um, as many. Um professional economists have said on our show that the price to mine gold and silver do not even ma- I mean it's cheaper to buy the gold and silver right now than it is to actually mine it out of the ground which it cannot stay that way and, uh, and that would got, just be like the dollar yeah. uh, being worth less than it costs for them to actually get the paper and the ink and the materials and create it it just is it doesn't happen that, that's that's correct so um just understand that what we're seeing here is is, a, is really an artifact of, of the war that's that's taking place between America and and Russia, or the the war that's that's being perpetuated behind the scenes by the globalists and being enacted by the criminal elements of this cr- criminal cabal in America. Folks, please understand this: uh, oil is a weapon, in as much as anything else is, oil is a weapon, and it's being used against Russia. It's being used against the the East. Uh, you know, you all right? Yep, I spilled an uh, okay, empty all right, can. All right, all right, okay. <laughs> well, how can you spill an empty can? You knocked over an knocked empty can. Over. I got gotcha. you. All right. Um, all right. So that's really that's what we need to know about this. But but see, we are right now being set up for the ultimate end game. Right now, the chess pieces are being moved uh, by the globalists, by the people in power right now. And are we seeing something new? No, we're not. And I just want to hit this real quick, and then we we can we can go over here uh, to. Uh, to what we need to talk about. When we look at what's taking place right now, we're seeing what, what has been really what began. I'll just reference the uh, title from Dr. Michael Lake's book, The, uh, the Shiner Directive. The Tower of Babel, what was happening in Babylon, we are seeing uh, right now Babylon being recreated. It's not anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. We are seeing Babylon being Recreated and Babylon was not only a political uh, union; it was a religious union as well. And and, and a, well, yes, yes. Um, all Babel. pagan roads, you know, all pagan roads lead to Babylon, and have led to Babylon. Nimrod set up twelve wooden idols for each sign of the zodiac or for each uh, month of the year. He com- uh, he commanded all to uh, to worship. In the appropriate uh, mm-hmm. month, okay, you can uh, think the, about Nebuchadnezzar yep. as we talked about the tower uh, that 
the image and, and statue that he created uh, of gold that he told all nations and rulers and kings that at the sound of the flute, the cornet, the trumpet, that they must all bow down and worship that image. And those who were found uh, that were not worshiping the image would be thrown in the fire, which is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through. That's right. Now, I, I want to address things, too, because I mentioned this last hour. Conspiracy, you know, uh, misinformation. This is the game of kings and in thrones since civilization began to, to make false conspiracy appear credible and make actual conspiracies appear false I really want people to understand that and it's interesting as we look back in through biblical history and history uh, when we look at for example where we're at today compared to the template of uh, Nimrod, the template of Lucifer, Lucifer's, um, you know, plans for the, for, for us. Um, think about this, and we would just stand in, Joe and I were talking about this, Daniel 7, 10 kings, part of the fourth beast. The fourth beast is different from all the others. Why? Well, the final kingdom, folks, is going to transcend all borders. It's going to control all leaders, the conspiratorial history. Uh, as we're talking about it here, is actually the prophetic and spiritual. And we can look at, um, well, very good. Did you, did you want to say something? Well, you mentioned the, the, the seven-headed beast that was I, talked about in Revelation, did you? Or did no, I? no, I just, okay. you, no, you, I, 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 there was an implication there based on the Dan, Daniel 7, but I, I, it's really important for people to know that what we're seeing today is not anything new. This is, we are seeing a, the last push completion toward this old new world order. And we can see this through, um, even in recent, you go back to George Bush, George W. Bush's inauguration uh, statements and, and the angel of the whirlwind and all of this. This is all very applicable to what we're seeing today. We are a captured operation. We need to understand where we are spiritually and in, in prophecy. And to, 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 to also to believe that, um, uh, and I just want to clear up a misconception. You know, people say, well, Jesus can come at any moment. No, he can't. Um, he, yeah, I mean, he, he come. He has to come. Uh, as he said, time. he can come at any moment. Prophecy needs to be fulfilled. Yes, yes. The Antichrist needs to be revealed. The two witnesses need to come on scene. But well, he will come as a surprise to those who are not watching. That's why he says, you know, always watch, because the Lord can come as a thief in the night, and he comes as as a thief in the night to those who are not watching. And he uses the uh, story of uh, a man who. Uh, had his house robbed if he was were to know that the robbers were coming that night well he would stay stay awake and stand guard not to let his house be robbed and, and pillaged but because he's not watching and not paying attention it will come as a thief in the night That's and right. can't but can the lord come at any time uh you know, to say he can't would be putting him in a box. So, that's that's right. I guess when I say but that, when we read prophetically, there you go. It it reads different, um, and but then you have to ask yourself, how do we know exactly if prophecy has been fulfilled? Uh, because is it, is it fulfilled the way we interpret it to be, or is it fulfilled the way God had said it was going to be, yet we didn't see it properly? Well. So there's yeah, a, a few yeah. theories of thought, just to cover all bases. And, and, and to bring that, you know, we, when I mentioned 
Babylon and Nimrod to bring it forward just a, just a touch. And we, when I mention, when, and I'm, I guess I'll take the, the rap for this if there's a rap to take when we talk about the occult Nazi agenda and people, and I get emails, you know, you're crazy for even talking about this. It has its place today because what we're seeing here, um, imbued, embedded, and intertwined with that, the writings, for example, and belief systems of the, the Thule Society or the Thule Society or the Thule Society. It depends on how you want to pronounce that. The writings of Blavatsky and uh, Manley P. Hall, Sir uh, Francis Bacon, um, the, uh, uh, of course, the perfection of the Aryan race. We talked about the Georgia Guidestones. Why do we talk about the Georgia Guidestones? Because everything, maybe because there's a lot of stuff about the Georgia Guidestones where people saying it was a hoax and a lot of gunk on the internet about this. No, this is a this is a real initiative by a now by a now deceased doctor from Iowa, um, who who was really the front man for a, a group of people who believed in eugenics. And if if I were a, a black person today, I'd be very offended by the Georgia Guidestones, because the population reduction aspect and the Aryan race aspect of it, um, in the larger sense, is in fact what um, what they were going for and are going for, and that's still, that is still um, part of the program here. And Russ Dizdor yeah. talks about the Aryan mul- multiples, the German-speaking multiples, the pure Nephilim bloodline. Hitler not only wanted a a world domination, uh, a Nazi world domination. That Nazi uh, had to be an Ar- you had to be an Aryan uh, to be a Nazi. It was a thousand yeah, year right. Aryan right. domination that was to be set up, and probably one of the closest counterfeits to the millennial reign. Um, as you know, uh, from an Antichrist standpoint, for somebody trying to set up a, a human trying to set up a thousand year reign, uh, almost as God. On Earth, um, you know, and is this again the uh, same agenda as was not completed in Babel? Uh, well, see, ba- Babylon was the mother, really the mother of all false religions, and uh, yes, you have Babylon, you have Babel, and the right. ancient city which the Bible called the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom. You had uh, Babylon, which is an ancient Mesopotamian city, uh, originally. Uh, Called Babel, of known as confusion, um, or Babel, by, Kim, yeah. by King Nimrod, or by Nimrod. It's the biblical land of Shinar, eastern region of the Fertile Crescent. It was originally the capital of the Sumerian of Sumeria, and um, it is where the uh, but Israelites were taken away into captivity. Right, and Babylonian religions, as well as political systems, as well as uh, economic systems. We have to understand that when understanding why the first world government will be the last. And, and the reason we're mentioning this is because the stage is being set here uh, in the in, in right now as we speak, as we're behind the microphones on this 13th day of January 2016, we're seeing the stage being set for the uh, really the final solution and also the end game. When I say the final solution, uh, yeah, I'm referencing some mass event that will take out the uh, a great majority of the population. We're seeing that Babylonian system um, being brought into, we saw it being brought into the 20th century through the, the uh, Nazi occult. Hitler was trained by Dietrich Eckhart, for example, Thule Society or Thule Society, and um, that was really 
kind of a a uh, ripping out of a page of a playbook from Nimrod, but I wonder how many people know this, because this is important, I believe, when we talk about the Nazi occult. Did you know that the ashes from the ovens in Auschwitz and other, certainly the other concentration camps of the of the Jewish and Christian victims, did you know that the Nazis in the occult pagan rituals, or pagan occult rituals, um, they they took the ashes, and they were spread all across Europe to dirty the land, to assure, ensure or assure that Christianity or Judaism and Christianity would not flourish. Now, it doesn't matter if you believe that that would have no effect. It doesn't matter what you believe. See, it matters what they believe. Belief that ideology is what matters. So this is why the, the, there's this big reference. I I, th- I think we need to understand that uh, what we're seeing today is just a mere extension of what happens on the plains of Shinar, plains of Shinar, and of course uh, what happened with respect to um, World War II and the Nazi occult, and how the Nazi occult is still in this country, and many of the people in the European Union as well, and many of the people in power have direct ties to uh, the Nazis, Nazis occult, Nazi occult, but. Um, and, and again, we all just have to, to look at this from a, a view from 35,000 feet. Um, the Operation Paperclip, as we talked about, the vision of Nazi scientists among nations, they divided the Nazi scientists among nations. It was, yeah. um, uh, you know, from the CIA to NASA, it, it's just amazing. To the, the, uh, one of the things that, that was very surprising to me when we started uh, doing investigations into this was the amount of medical knowledge from surgical uh, procedures such as open heart surgery uh, and then the Nuremberg trials how they made a spectacle of the Germans who were captured and put on trial at Nuremberg how many of those after the fact who were on TV being um, you know condemned and, and told that they were guilty of crimes were then shipped back over to America and other places to continue in their work under the uh, oversight of the American government Right, and while we're cruising at 35,000 feet altitude, let's look, too, at some of the things that we're seeing um, on, on other news-making items, for example, transhumanism. Folks, the objective behind transhumanism is to remove the image of God from mankind uh, by watcher-type technology, for example, to create this utopian society, which is a return to Atlantis. And, and the goal of the Nephilim, as, as talked about by Steve Quayle and written about by Steve Quayle and talked about by others, is to contaminate the human genome. There's no bloodline left to be uh, to be born, to replace the image of God with the image of the beast. That's the objective of transhumanism. So every time you see, um, what's his face? Um, I'm trying to think of his name now. Uh, uh, anyway, it, it, whether it's Bill Gates or whoever it might be, that's, that's their goal here. I'd like well. to say this uh, about Atlantis. And yeah. I'm not sure of, of my theory of this yet, but. Uh, the more I read Plato, uh, his book of, of the Republic, or his book Laws, and read the ancient philosophers and their work, I'm not so sure that the uh, country of Atlantis or the the place of Atlantis was ever a real thing. Well, I, I think it was. It, it very well could be. I but mean, I, from, believe, I believe from a perspective yeah. that I'm looking at it from, 
which uh, was one of, of, it was a real place, and, and, you know, it had ten kings and it collapsed. Uh, looking at it from a place of, this is what they wanted in the end, and it was talked about as it was a real place, knowing the end result of the last kingdom. Well, it's hard for but me I'm to not believe it. See, yeah, I mean, uh, you can we can talk about this, but it's hard for me to believe that you, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe that. I mean, Plato that there covered a, they covered all aspects of society, how to and what you talked about, how to trap our mind inside of, of the small way of thinking and and enjoying our, our servitude and our and our uh, subjugation, right? And you know, all the little uh, trinkets that would distract us, and you know, the more content we became, the more free time we would have on our hands, which would give the devil more room to 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 work and maneuver in our lives and um all that you know yes we could have had the most advanced society as the first society or as the devil likes to do uh will try to um, go through every probable or possible potential uh scenario and play it out to its end therefore trying to understand but, but- the but I believe, but you got to look at it when he's talking about Atlantis. Look, uh, Nimrod, his Babylon, the Tower of Babel. And yes, we have the flood. Babylon was the first attempt to rebuild Atlantis. Okay. Okay. The um, and and of course Nimrod was attempting to, to trans. Um, Transmutate himself into a gibberim. We'll and say. we know this, the history of the, of the Nephilim and the giants and the. Um, uh, the Greek mythological small g gods, you know, right. from Zeus to the names of the planets to um, the history we learn about in school of the of the myths of the ancient uh, Greek gods. We know that that was the second kingdom, the kingdom of Grecia. Uh, after well, Persia. Uh, we'll just step back for a moment and look at Nimrod, uh, how he is said to be ascended to become the sun god, reincarnated as Tammuz. He married Semiramis, his mother. Um, Mythologizing right. uh, Osiris, Horus. I mean, my goodness, and it's all on the dollar bill. It's all in the, in, the, in the architecture of the United States. All we have to and, do is look at what's going on here in the earth. And that does all go back to to the Babylonian um, re- religions and, and to Babylon. This was, you know, the Gate of Ishtar. Right. Uh, it was called. It was, uh, you know, the, there's a number of names for it, but it is, you know, Mystery Babylon. And I just am coming, like I said, for my own. Um, from a different train of thought, and and not to disparage any any work that uh, Paul McGuire has done or anybody has done on on going through what what the ancient philosophers had, had wrote about, because they well, it's obviously easy. Uh, I mean intellectual studied. discussions should I mean we can discuss this, but I, I think I, I understand where you're coming from. Interesting concept. And I asked Paul about this on air, and I, and I don't. He said it was possible, but from uh, it was more probable that it was an actual place. And, and the Great Flood does fit with the stories of, you know, the land being submerged. And um, there's a lot to go with it. But just from a biblical standpoint, um, and then the yeah. writings of Plato, I'm having a hard time putting together uh, where that fit. Or is it like America? Like some say, it's not mentioned in Babylon. No, no. no. I, you know, I, we can, we can, we'll have to take that up on a, a different time but yeah. you know look I, i'm of the opinion when i and again i'm invest uh, i'm approaching this from in a, uh, as an investigator from an investigative standpoint i came into this after 9-11 when i say into this i'm talking about this arena of discussion and arena of interest i was always interested in for example when a why are we here why was i born that kind of, but but beyond that 
um, you would never convince me uh, early, to, you know, ten years ago of, of many conspiracy theories. It just wouldn't happen. But today, I look at things, and, and I, I mean, I'll just throw out some examples. Okay, I believe, for example, um, not, not, we're, I'm just randomly citing this uh, beliefs that I have that perhaps you might not have. But if you research these, you might have a different take on it. For example, I believe that the Titanic, I'm throwing this out here, the Titanic was deliberately sunk. I believe that the Titanic was not really the Titanic, but the Mm -hmm. the Olympic. And I think that there's enough enough historical uh, documentation to to support that. Is it absolute? No. But it certainly does fit a, a, a course of conduct at the time and even some revisionist history. Um, that's just one example. I'm trying to think of some other things, um, and, and, and that you know fit the uh, that changed the course of, of history. Um, I, why I even mention that? But, but but you get the idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, absolutely. But but look, the goal of the Luciferian elite, and, and this is really what this is all about. And you might people might think that we're going off on multiple tangents here, but but when it comes right down to it, again at that cruising level altitude looking down the goal of the luciferian elite is to finish nimrod's work albert pike masonry mm-hmm. like all religions all the myst- mystical religions mysteries uh, conceal its secrets from all except those who are worthy the sages the the, the elect the, right right the initiatives um and use um Techniques use symbols and 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 to mislead and, and um, for example uh, today you know Eric the Tech and I were talking about you know, the Super Bowl halftime that's coming up and we're talking about the potential different uh, people who are going to perform and the symbolism and, you know it, it's interesting because um, the 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 people in power the, the Luciferians whose goal it is to finish Nimrod's work, we'll use symbology, we'll use messages, we'll use uh, different things, um, including and especially symbols to mislead those who uh, desire only to be misled, for example. Think about that. You know, people have this, this interesting normalcy bias that in the end... It's more than a normalcy bias. It's a desire to be misled. And meanwhile, the people in power, the Illuminati, the Luciferian elite, are laughing at you and they're laughing at us and saying, oh, you're crazy. You know, why do the elite use layers of secrecy? Okay, why? Why do they use layers of secrecy? And uh, I think I think you can... I think the answer lies in the because of the demise of of Nimrod as a as a small G god at the time. Okay, I opened the door here. I I, I didn't want to go down this road, but and and I won't. But but that's there. There's reasons for symbology, you know, because people say, Absolutely. well, you know, it's the original language. Right. 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 When you look at the Egyptian hieroglyphs, those weren't words or letters in sequence to make words. They were symbols. And those are, are uniform around the whole world. Whether you look at ancient societies from the Hopi to the Incans to the Mayans, they used symbols and symbology and, as a way to talk. It, right. 
And, and you know something else, and this is something from uh, that really is, is news. I mean, you know, we talk about news. Uh, we talk about Agenda 2030, the, the globalist agenda. Notice how, um, for example, the uh, coffin apartments, basically, apartments the size of maybe two parking spaces are being built in New York City. 250 uh, square feet. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Right. You might as well live in a jail cell. Well, exactly. And, and so, okay. And then you have in, in San Francisco rent being, you know, $4,500 a month for a normal place. Um, right. Storage containers into being turned these, into homes yes. and apartment buildings. So, but, but, so the, but nobody asked the question, well, why? And uh, the, well, the obvious answer would be, well, because it's, it's, uh, it's good for the environment. It's, it's efficient. No, you know why? I mean, the bottom line real reason is the, the Luciferian elite consider themselves Illuminated, and we deserve nothing more than to be treated like insects. Okay, so um, that's the real reason. And, and they don't. I mean, they want to stack us and pack us and treat us like insects because they believe we are no better than insects. All right. I mean, that's Absolutely. plain and simple. I mean, just look at the uh, uh, the government's history of. Uh What's the term? Is it called democide? When I think yes, Jones uh, talks about it. When governments are guilty of, of committing mass genocide of its own people, two hundred and fifty million people have been killed by governments in the last hundred years, and it goes through the examples from you know Mao's China to you know the different wars to the Holocaust to the uh, untalked about genocides like the Armenian genocide and the Ukrainian genocide, um, where you know people were used. Uh, they used food to starve out tens of millions of people. It is a um, an evil that is uh, been all throughout history that shows itself in different ways. Whether it's an inquisition through the church, or you know, uh, a genocide of a, of a certain type of person based on race, or um, it's there. I mean, we we have seen it. It is here now, and it is all encompassing, all oppressive, and it will. Um, try to complete the agenda that was never finished in and, Babylon. And, right, and let's stop there for a second because at our cruising altitude of 35,000 feet, when we look at the goals, for example, of the people that we say are in power, the, there, are, the, the, there are five Illuminati goals, or there are five goals of the Luciferian elite, and here they are, plain and simple. Number one, the abolition of all ordered governments. So to take down the United States government, to take down the government of uh, any European country, insert name here. So abolish all ordered government governments. Abolish all ownership of private property. Hence, we see the stacking and packing the small apartments in New York City and San Francisco and other, other progressive forward-moving cities, compliments of Bloomberg and, and de Blasio and, and you know, others the globalists the third is the abolition of patriotism and nationalism we cannot you've got to lose your nationalism identity not saying you know look we talked about that you know the flag over the cross before but this is different the abolition of family abolition of marriage the change in education of our children and finally the abolition of of the three major monotheistic religions because they've got to get they've got to get the one world religion in there mm-hmm. the five esoteric concepts of the um, 
well, of the Illuminati, shall we say, would be the Islamic, or, uh, yeah, the Islamic mysticism, the Jesuit mind control, Luciferianism, uh, Freemasonry, uh, the concepts of eternal life, and, and that goes to everybody can be ascend to being gods, and the hallucinogenic drugs part of that. And then there are five, and folks, this is really, please listen to this, because this has everything to do with where we are today. There are five stages of, of the uh, Illuminati objectives, which you talked about, the unfinished business of Nimrod, as it jumped into the Nazis, you know, the Nazis in, in the 20th century. There's five stages. There's the first is chaos, the second is discord, the third is confusion, the fourth is bureaucracy, and number five is aftermath. And that aftermath is to rebuild from the ashes, that being the phoenix. I'm going through this very quickly, and it seems like this is all d- disparate information and not connected, but when you look at this again from above, you can see where we're going with this. Eugenics, evolution, that's taking over, taking us by storm. This is all part of the Luciferian agenda to convince us the human evolution and eugenics. They're working in tandem to convince us that we can become like gods, that we need population control. Go ahead. It's two-pronged in its, in its yes. uh, Highly application and its, and its end. And one is to take as many souls away from the Lord as they think they can, which the Lord clearly states in the Scripture that, you know, he will not be robbed, and who is the man that thinks they can rob God? Uh, something, some created being uh, cannot rob God of something that he created. And two, it is to bring about an end so that these um, demons and, and this Nephilim can uh, believe that they can return to their original and first state, which was in heaven, or exist in a heaven that they have overthrown God from. That's right. And it's all about, basically... Uh, showing that the Lord, showing the Lord that the human being and the human soul is, uh, so much worse than they were, that they would have to be allowed back into heaven, or to bring as many people down with them as possible, and trying to overthrow God and living in an eternal life without, uh, God being a part of it. And isn't it interesting, as we're, again, as we're at this cruising altitude, and we got about 15 minutes left of the show, well, all of this discussion here in the last hour, these, these random points that we're pointing out, these aren't random because, uh, let's go back to Nikita Khrushchev for a second. Oh. If I can jump in, but just before I forget this point, what if, uh, Atlantis, you know, is just a retold story of the original story of Babel? Uh, just from a different I, I, cultural no. perspective. Well, uh, that could very well be. And, and we, I'm not saying no, but I don't believe that because of the difference in Somebody time. asked her the source about uh, what you said about the connection of, of was Babel trying to recreate Atlantis. Um, but I think you made that clear that that was just something that, uh, an idea that's, you were throwing out. Yeah, that's, uh, no, I mean, it's not doctrinal. Just like my no. theory that it might not have been an actual place. I mean, I, I, I do believe that... Um, well, I believe you might be able to find it in the Babylon Code by Paul McGuire and Troy Anderson. That might be in there, um, come to think of it. Uh, it very well could be. Or uh, the other book by uh, Dr. Michael Lake, uh, Shinar Directive, Preparing uh, for the Son of Perdition. It, it, it's, I'm sure it's in one of those two books, or at least the inference of that. It, I think it's in the former, not the latter, that being the Babylon Code. But, you know, speaking of Nimrod, he was the first Mason, and he, he well, you know what, I started to talk about Nikita Khrushchev, and yeah, people, people, people accuse me of, of jumping around too much, so, um, 
look at where we are today. And in the 20th century, Nikita Khrushchev had made this statement. We can't expect the American people to jump from uh, capitalism to communism, but we can assist their elected leaders in giving them small doses of socialism until they awaken one day to find that they have communism. That's by Nikita Khrushchev, a quote by Nikita Khrushchev. Why did I mention that in the context of Babylon, Nimrod, the Luciferian elite? Because uh, I, looking at this, the research being conducted, you've got to have the ideological um, aspect of, for example, communism. You've got it goes from progressive, liberal progressivism to socialism, to communism, to Luciferianism, in that order. So we are certainly down that string. I mean, if you look at this from a purely political and ideological vein, you go from progressivism to socialism to communism to Luciferianism. But Luciferianism is not exclusive, and in the end result, it, it actually that ideology is infused in all of that and even it's luciferianism is is a, a doctrine that will is infused in all political ideologies it depends on the people which goes back to nimrod in babylon nimrod was the first mason he established the order of freemasonry the knights templar their secrets evolved into modern day freemasonry the seeds that were planted in babylon uh, watered by egypt nurtured by Misery religions give us what we've got today, the unfinished agenda of the Luciferian elite. The skull and bones, for example. The different, uh, and I can go on, I mean, the different groups that we have. Uh, the Council of 300, Council on Foreign Relations. In fact, I'll, I'll just say this, Greg Jackson and I were talking about Ted Cruz today. And okay, let's just say we'll take remove eligibility from the table. Let's just forget about that, and let's just look at Ted Cruz, the man. Well, his wife, member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Do you think for one moment? I mean, what's that about? What's the Council on Foreign Relations? What's the Trilateral Commission? Look at what we've got. System of Babylon, a system of secret societies. It's all. You know, when we when we look at the, when, as, as Greg says, as we when we when we major in the minors, that's all really we see. That's that's really it. You know, that's all we see. Um. Anyway. Did, by the way, uh, and, and I just wanted we got, to uh, twelve minutes, eleven and a half, twelve minutes left. Did you so, know that Churchill uh, was at the New York Stock Exchange on October 29th, nineteen twenty nine? That was the was day of the Great Honor. Depression. Yeah. It was a good honor. Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, um, I, I don't know why I thought that important to, to bring up. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, throw that in your random <laughs> knowledge. Facts. Yeah, random facts. But, you know, we, we, we went through a lot of things here um, and uh, covered a lot of ground in my view anyway. But, um, but here, you know. Uh, toss it to you. For a sec, Gary Allen wrote a book, The Rockefeller File. Yeah, yeah, that's a good book. And just there's a that's an original copy. There's a lot that we can get. In. I mean, we can do a whole week of shows on this. But um, 
this goes through, and, and the copyright date on this, this is 76 Press. Yeah, it's 1976. This. It talks about, uh, there's a chapter in here called The People Planners. Yep. And it's, it says, you know, the uh, Rockefellers and their um, le- their uh, need to control people um, is phony. This is from a Rockefeller side, and then it goes to argue the other side. And this is stuff that's been argued in papers publicly, uh, so-and-so, but they... Uh, as Reverend R.J. Rushdoney points out in his excellent book, The Myth of Overpopulation, he says, Socialism always creates an ultimately uh, imbalance between the number of people living and their food supply, which results in hunger and famine. There is, in a sense, therefore, always a problem of overpopulation under socialism. Socialism, moreover, affects both the food supply by limiting it and the population both by expanding it at one stage and limiting it at another. To the Rockefellers, socialism is not a system for redistribution of wealth, especially not for redistribution of their wealth, but a system to control people and competitors. Socialism puts power in the hands of the government, and since the Rockefellers control the government, government control the means Rockefeller con- the Rockefellers control. You may not have known this, but you can be sure they do. When the Rockefellers joined the UN World Population Conference in calling for promotion of a new economic order, by eradicating the cause of world poverty, by ensuring equitable distribution of the world's resources, eliminating the injustices of the existing world uh, through trade systems and other exploitation of perpetuated capitalist corporations. Um, It goes on to say that the average citizen does not appreciate or understand the implications of the Rockefeller agenda and what it will do and the impact it will have on our lives. and it goes on from there to talk about the different presidents and the UN side of what the Rockefellers want to control, which brings me to my point that I saw a story and I have it here and I did not run this by you earlier or yesterday, but, um, there's a story and I don't know, as I said, how, um, accurate this is, but I'm going to throw this out there because this is something that we've talked about for a while. Mm-hmm. Obama possibly to seek UN secretary generalship. At the yeah. end of his term, Ban Ki-moon from South Korea is the current Secretary General of the United Nations. His term ends on the uh, last day of January 2016. The administ- uh, the president, uh, 21 days afterwards, um, his his term ends. So this goes on to say, if it's true, if he succeeds in this endeavor, Obama would be re- replacing Secretary General of South Korea's Ban Ki-moon, who is serving his second five-year term in the position. Ban's term as Secretary General set to end on December 31st, 2016, coincidentally 21 days before Obama's second term as President ends. The article also has claimed upon hearing of the President Obama and his plans that Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed to counter his campaign, quoting Netanyahu as saying, eight years of Obama's judgments in marginalizing Israel was not enough. Now he wants to be in a position to cause us trouble in the international forum. Again, don't know if this uh, story is true, but uh, according to this site, BreakingIsraelNews.com, quoting another site, a, right. a Kuwaiti magazine, published an article claiming U.S. President Barack Obama has set his sights on becoming the next Secretary General of the United Nations when he leaves the Oval Office in one year. Now, the importance of the U.N. and the Secretary General of the U.N., we know uh, all too well how the 
UN has set this agenda 2030. It's part of, uh, you well, know, well, agenda Wait, wait a second. Before you go down too far down the and, road, and here. the New World Order Bush talked about right. said, you know, implementing the UN, the visions and goals of the UN's founders. But, but, okay, look at Obama. Okay, without respect to the source of this, because we, we talked about this regardless of the source. We talked about this before. Obama, the accept, his acceptance speech in Denver in front of the seat of Satan, that's a direct reference to Revelation 2, chapter 2, verse 13. That was on, uh, April 29th, 2000, and, or, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, that, that was his acceptance speech. Now, was, okay. Uh, but 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 think Democratic about Democratic National Convention acceptance speech, correct? Um, and yes, Denver, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Where he was okay. ushered away into a room where he was uh, very tired, and there was chanting going on, and he came out rejuvenated. And right, okay. But the reason I mention that is because if we are to, and this goes back to the discussion about Nimrod and 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 the ultimate objective here. You've got to have the takeover of the world, and don't forget, okay, that um, uh, yes, I mean this. I do believe this to be the case that that he would go for if if he is the guy. I'm not saying the Antichrist, of course, but if right. he, if, if he is an Antichrist, and I believe that he is by definition just that, and against the 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 template of Babylon and Nimrod and the whole modern iconography of of what we see here in America, it would be a natural transition from the office from the Oval Office to the UN, because don't forget, okay. Um, well, I mean, look what he's doing in his last year in president. Yes, yes. Uh, Obama promises audacious executive action in final year. Uh, during a breakfast with reporters in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, uh, McDonnell uh, responded to the observation that the president's final speech before Congress lacked the usual pledge to go at it alone if lawmakers failed to act, coupled with feeble executive actions on gun control announced earlier this week. Earlier this month, had President Obama rethought the utility of acting unilaterally on issues important to the White House. We will do audacious executive action over the course of the rest of the year. I am confident of that. That's we started out with this right. story. Explaining that President Obama's decision not to outline specific executive actions was more about a commitment to process than a lack of willpower. Process is your friend, but process also dictates what you can do, McDonald said. We don't want to make sure that the executive actions we undertake are not left hanging out there, subject to Congress undoing them. In addition to gun control, the White House has expressed interest in further unilateral actions by immigration reform and working around Congress to close the prison in Guantanamo Bay. But the White House is considering executive action on any and all issues, and that the main question President Obama plans to ask himself is why not. And so that's the spirit through which we'll approach this last year, McDonough said. And he is the uh, chief of staff. McDonough is perhaps, well, in my view, he is one of the most egotistical um, uh, smart ass, and yes, I haven't seen him talk. So okay, I, 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 I cannot stand to listen to him. He was interviewed on Fox or Fox News Sunday. That's your assessment Chris of a lot of people. So it's a- no, no, the, the, the guy is is a real piece of work in my view. Okay, McDonough, 
as a as a chief of staff. And when, but but one thing to be clear, when he talks about the use of executive action, and he wouldn't give Chris Wallace a a direct answer, okay, but. Uh, when he talks about the use of executive orders and executive action on, in terms of gun control, you can bet that this will take place. And I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things, one of the most dangerous periods in American history is from right now, right now until the um, uh, the inauguration of the next to whoever it might be. And, and well, I say that because I don't believe that we are going to have a fair and free election. I don't think we've had one for in your decades, you're but completely right about that. And in our final minutes here, just some uh, highlights from uh, just one quick uh, statement from the State of the Union address last night. Um, Obama asserted that the United States has the strongest and most durable economy in the world. He bolstered that claim by continuing to say, "We're in the middle of the longest streak of private sector job creation in history. More than 14 million new jobs, the strongest two years of job growth since the 1990s, and unemployment rate cut in half." Our auto industry had been the, has had its best year ever. Manufacturing has created nearly 900,000 new jobs in the past six years, and we've done all this while cutting our deficits by three quarters. That's right, and uh, you know, butterflies and puppy dogs and sing kumbaya because <laughs> that's how it is, and everyone loves everyone else. And M I C K E Y M O U S C. You know, right. the, the truth of the matter is the Obamas. Budget is projected to run a deficit of 6.8 trillion over his eight-year term, making him the president with the largest budget deficit. George W. Bush coming in second with a budget of 3.9 trillion. Ronald Reagan third with 1.14 trillion, and Obama um, has doubled the deficit or has spent more in the deficit than all other presidents combined. But he can still get away with the statement that he has cut the deficit in half over exactly. three quarters and increased the job numbers, um, all in by manipulating how they actually calculate what is considered to be a deficit and what is considered to have it is to be jobless. It, it doesn't matter. What, words don't mean things. You know, it, it's, they mean whatever you want them to mean. Folks, we've reached the end of our program tonight. It's a great program. Yeah, absolutely. Fade to black. We have left the building. God bless. See you tomorrow night. <laughs>